Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Express yourself. Good morning, my neighbor. City FM. Your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM. 
27 minutes past six. Pastor Edward Dutson with a worship and praise medley. Welcoming you back from the Easter break with a heart of gratitude. The dial is 97.3 City FM. The date is 11th April. It's Tuesday. And the show is the City Breakfast Show. Starting off with Business Sense brought to you by ADB. Newspaper Review. The regulars done with the same level of excellence and commitment it may seem like an ordinary day it may seem like a normal day but you can make it extraordinary one of the things that makes the show great is we are happy to serve you every day it excites us what we can do through the power of radio so instead of waiting for external validation be internally motivated it's one difference between those who win and those who quit Quitters wait for external validation. They want people to tell them they are doing well. But those who really win, they know on the inside when they do well. And they also know from the inside when they do bad. So while external motivation is good, internal motivation is better. So sometimes you need to look within. As a person, as a family, as a business, what you're looking for is not far, it's not out there, it's in you. So the things that are happening in us are greater matters than the things that are outside of us. Internal motivation over external validation. Business has brought to you by ADB. Call us on 0593845854 or visit any of our branches and talk to us about our personal special loan top-up designed to help you meet your pressing needs with better interest rates, longer repayment periods, all available in a phone call. The city's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. I wish 
that my grandmother wasn't sick Or that we would just come up on some stacks and hit a lick And I wish my homies wouldn't have to suffer When the streets get the upper hand on us and we lose a brother And I wish I could go deep in the zone And lift the spirits of the world with the words within the song And I wish I could teach a soul to fly Take away the pain out your hands and help you hold them high And I wish my homies wouldn't still alive And on the day of his death we had never took that ride And I wish that God could protect us from the wrong So that all the soldiers that were sent overseas come home And uh, we will never break, though they devastate We shall motivate, and we gotta pray All we gotta pay, instead of thinking about who gon' die today The Lord is gon' help you feel better So you ain't gotta cry today Sit at the light so long And then we gotta move straight forward Cause we fight so strong So when right go wrong Just say a little prayer, get your money, man Life goes no, on, I'm hopeful, yes I am Hopeful for today Take this music and use it let it take you away and be hopeful, hopeful, and he'll make a way. I know it ain't easy, but that's okay, cause we hope. We're hopeful of a better tomorrow so we put in the best work today we're hopeful of a better future so we make sure the present pays the price i wish that we can hold hands 633 newspaper reviews next brought to you by total energies marketing ghana offering specially formulated quartz engine oil with art age resistance technology a breakthrough innovation that ensures optimal performance for your engine improves protection and against mechanical wear by up to 74 percent choose quartz choose the engine oil that keeps your engine running efficiently and effectively quartz keep your engine younger for longer then one day they can speak again. I wish that we only saw good news every time we look at CNN. I wish we could never get the blues. Wish I could bring back the people that died at 82. I wish that we could walk a path, stay doing the right thing. Hustle hard so the kids maintain up in no, the game. I'm Let's hopeful. Go. Yes, I am hopeful for today. Take this music and use it. Let it take you away and be hopeful, hopeful. And he'll make a way. wasn't so apocalyptic i try to spread my message to the world the best way that i can give it we can make it always be optimistic if you don't listen gotta live my life the best way that i can live it i pray for justice when we go to court wish it was all good all right so it's uh, an interactive show and so if there's something you want us to hear about send us a whatsapp message that's the quickest way to reach us 54 998 the number again 54 998 also on many social media platforms on twitter Hashtag CTCBS with your comments. We'll be happy to read them at TT973. Uh, my name is Bernard Avril. I'm here with uh, Nathan Kwao and Godfred Akotoba. For gentlemen, good morning. Hello. Good morning. good morning. Hope you had a great Easter. Yes, sir. Uh, restful Easter. Very restful. Eventful Easter. Very, no, very, very. Churchy very, Easter. Very restful. Eatful Easter. No, just a lot of sleep. A lot, but that, that's good. You yeah. need to refire your engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so for me that was the most important part. Very, very important because it's almost like Q one is officially over. Over, yeah. We are in Q two for yeah. for real. Yeah. yeah. Today's April eleventh. Yeah, it's moving really fast. It's very crucial week, Bernard. Yes, IMF issues. Plenty, plenty. Yes, we have. To, yeah. I, I I heard our finance minister somewhere, and then mm-hmm. I heard Kristalina Georgieva. Yes. Now, who is the uh, IMF, IMF boss? Yeah, she was literally begging, yes, on our behalf publicly. Like, it was a meeting, you know, the spring meetings are yes, yes. She was like, I, I am give Ghana the money, give these people, the not money. even just Ghana, the people who all of the countries yeah. who own. I'm told Burundi has even gotten some. Charlie, yeah. so what the reason why I'm talking about this is you see, once 
we get the IMF approval. Yeah. I'm talking to the political people now. Yeah. Don't come and tell us about how you did some magic and the money. And this, and we so don't want any kinky we, and wacky like, parties. The IMF boss is on her knees yeah. begging on your behalf. Asking the others to come on board. She's and begging. Things happen. He says, like, we need to help these countries. Otherwise, they're suffering in their countries too much. Anyway, anyway let me tell you about the IMF. Let Nathan start with the <laughs> new crusading guide and other papers. Well, the new crusading guide also has a lot of political stories. NPP committed to free and fair elections will not, however, tolerate violence. So this is the aftermath of things that were said over the weekend. NPP defense Abetifi MP Brana Champon said nothing wrong. Mm. I see. Government projects Ghana Integrated Aluminium Company to anchor integrated aluminium industry. That's according to the Lands Minister and lawyer. Belly chases Betty for a from Plains South seat. <laughs> from page of the Daily Graphic, Euphoria is talking, Ken, that is, and he says Ghana on course for IMF approval. We'll see how that goes in the course of the week. It's something that we'll be keeping an eye on. Take stress management seriously. Hmm. Clinical psychologists to employers. Say it again. Hmm. And then <laughs> Africa needs global synergies to improve health. Church leaders inspire nation, resurrection, hope to overcome life's challenges. And it comes with photos of Reverend Sam Kranchiankra, Reverend Dr. Mensa Utabel, and Bishop Charles Ajahn Asai. Okay. The ABC News says, stop your needless attacks on Brianna Champon. MPP to NDC. Ekufado commissions Obo Kweu model police station. Uh, the ABC News has an editorial. Economic crisis. The African continent is reeling from the effects of COVID mm. and, and Russia-Ukraine. <laughs> anyway, mm. And on page 7 of the ABC News, the one who branded NDC revolution is gone with it. John Mahama is toothless, Sam George told. From page of the Republic Press, they're talking about the Brandon Champon's comments and then the commissioning of the Obokwe police station and then this one a story that uh, made a lot of headlines for the weekend we have created 2.1 million jobs uh than the ndc did baumia boast uh, so that's uh, from page of the republic the daybreak newspaper says ndc accuses Keche's wife of forgery see and the mpp is defending brian champo ato forson is also here he says i remain against bet i remain against betting proceeds taxing mm. and city fm city tv donates 30k items to orphans at easter finally for me bernard piracy in gulf of guinea ghana tops attacks that's the front page of the paper and then Treasury exceeds Q1 issuance target by 8 billion Ghana. Yeah, so that's Treasury bill. Yes, I'll try and uh, break that down okay. for you. Mm-hmm. All right, the Economy Times says BOG locks up 3 billion CDs from banking sector. Ghana to get IMF board approval by May ending. That's according to Seth Tekbe. And economic activities shrink. That's all on the front page of the Economy Times. Moving online, better suppose newly introduced 10% tax on bet wins. Also, Ghana's bilateral creditors set to clear way for $3 billion IMF bailout. And then phase two of a BJP Lamte interchange project halted ahead of IMF deal. Mm-hmm. And mm. then Mahama resumes campaign, heads to Eastern Region today. Now, a couple of politics. Um, Brian Champon said nothing wrong. MPP defense, ABTV, MP, MP, while NDC lambasts him for the comment he made. So that's the, the big political story. Brian Champon all over. Now, in other stories, CTFM donates uh, to three orphanages, 20K, 30K, 10K, in uh, a soup during the Easter festivities. <laughs> 
So Tamale 10k, uh, Basco 30k, Kumasi 20k. Now myjoinline.com, same story on business. Ghana's bilateral creditors set to clear way for IMF bailout. The spring meeting happening. Akufuado should intervene in Brian, Brian Comment saga. This is IDEG. Oh. Meanwhile, the NDC is asking the police to act to dispatch on the comment. And then Peter Tobu says 1990 policing style cannot be used in 2023. And then uh, the security analyst is also saying that police should moderate the behavior of MPP and NDC. Right? So lots of comments. Nyahota Maklo also calls out by champion for irresponsible comment. Now, City Business News is talking about the betters tax and also the IMF deal. And then African, uh, several African countries have a shortage of US dollars. It's a feature article on Forex. And then, in fact, internationally, there's a lot of stories also about the US dollar and whether its future as the global reserve currency is under threat. City Sports, Jordan Ayu dedicates brace against Leeds to his former boss, Patrick Vieira. Quite interesting. And then Mohamed Salisu is missing games because of doubts of a commitment to Southampton. These are reports <laughs> in the news. Now, the BBC's lead story is that a Kentucky bank employee has shot dead five of his colleagues. He opened fire on staff at a Louisville bank before dying in a shootout with police. One week, one shooting. Uh, US and Philippines hold biggest joint military drills. That's also a big story. And then uh, the Financial Times is talking about poorest countries find finances under pressure from higher rates. It's an article they've done on the global economy. Now, there's a big story on Bloomberg Africa on Ghana. You remember the story about the tanker, Russian tanker? <laughs> so their lead story this morning is that <laughs> the me. tanker has unloaded Russian crude in Ghana after a six-week wait. Mm. And up, the See. vessel is called Theseus. Yes. And it's offloaded at a uh, tour refinery over the weekend. Right. The details are provided by Julian Lee and Ecodonto. We'll okay. give you some highlights mm -hmm. of that. And then uh, the East African is talking about Burundi receiving 261 million loan from IMF. So it's less than half a billion. Mm. We are getting 3 billion. We so, hope to. Oh, we will get it. <laughs> so we hope to. Uh, then the, a, a number of countries with dollar crisis. Congo, there, Zimbabwe last week. Mm -hmm. uh, Kenya can't pay salaries. All yes. kinds of things happening on the continent. So maybe let's start with our... Yes, let me start with our IMF issues. On so yes. page 16 of the daily graphic, and then you can also give further details. Yeah. Ghana on course for IMF approval. The Pirate Club, a group of bilateral creditors that helps with workable solutions to payment problems faced by debtor nations, will form an official creditor committee this week to look into Ghana's request for financial assurances. The assurances, which come with debt restructuring and further strategic lending, will enable the country to present its program to the IMF board for approval. The Minister of Finance, Kenneth Ferreta, who disclosed this to the daily graphic in an interview, said, the formation of the committee and the financial assurances were to enable the country's program to be laid before the IMF board shortly after the spring meetings. Quote, Mr. Foyata, during the World Bank and IMF spring meetings, we will be meeting with the Paris Club and other bilateral creditors. They will also be meeting separately to consider Ghana's request. Now, interestingly, uh, China has agreed to be present at these meetings, and uh, that means Mr. Foyata says he's very happy. Now, key revenue measures were approved by Parliament in Ghana on Friday, March 31, to position government to rake in an additional 4 billion Ghana CDs annually, which the finance minister said was quite significant to boost the country's fiscal position. So okay. the main story is that Ghana may secure the deal without eurobond restructure in place. Ghana has not restructured about $13 billion of eurobonds. We finished a domestic debt exchange, but if from, based on the assurances that have been given, it is very 
it's, it's quite uh, clear. I don't want to say it's, it's obvious, but it's very likely that, that's the word them, okay. that Ghana was going to get the deal announced we probably before end of the month. Well, Seth Thetler, he's on the front page of the Economy Times, and he's giving a, uh, he's go, gone further to even give a, a, a time. He says uh, Ghana may get approval from the IMF by uh, the end of May. Okay. Okay. Now he's uh, reacting to a dark economic situation of the country, and he indicated that the month of May 2023 was practically feasible for Ghana to get a fund support program. Last week, Fitch Solutions also projected that Ghana's staff level agreements with the fund would receive an executive board approval in the second quarter of the year. So, all right. So, so some are some are Bloomberg is talking about end of April. Setek is talking about end of May. Whichever the difference. Definitely before June, the deal mm. will be announced. Give us the oil. Yes, so this is uh, an unrelated but quite interesting as well. Mm. So this story says that um, the tanker Theseus mm. offloaded its cargo of Russian crude into storage tanks at Ghana's Tor over the weekend after being anchored full of the port since February 24 as it awaited permission to dock. Vessel tracking data monitored by Bloomberg showed that the ship left its initial anchorage Thursday morning more than a single point mooring on Friday afternoon, the SBM is connected to storage tanks at the refinery by a subsea pipeline. Now, the tanker uh, left the SBM on Monday morning with its draft indicating it had discharged its cargo. It loaded about 600,000 barrels of crude from the Black Sea port of Novorossikik mm. in late January. Now, here are the details. Now, GMPA, or GMPC, uh, granted a delivery period for the cargo to be unloaded but national security considerations held up the process according to people familiar with the matter when the tanker was en route the head of mpa said the shipment would be blocked if it was bound for the country remember mpa mm-hmm. had said he didn't yeah. anything about mm-hmm. it but clearance was given for the tanker after claims that the cargo was from kazakhstan a port agent report for the uh, the uh, the russian port and data from intelligence from Vortexa and other institutions showed that it originated from Russia. Mm. Now, we are told that IES has identified Platon Gas Oil as the purchaser of the cargo, and the company operates a small refinery next to Tor. Mm. And then it leased storage tanks at Tor to get this oil brought in. Mm. So it looks like the mystery surrounding the uh, shipment has been partly unraveled. So that's the economy. Let's come to Brian Champong. Yeah, um, he's all over the news. Um, yeah, says, maybe. Yeah, so if let's start with the well, Daily Graphic has uh, a story that says NDC condemns Brian Champong's yeah, comments. And the Republic Press also says NDC backing dogs count as NPP backs Brian Champong. Let me just start from the graphic then. Yeah, uh, the NDC has condemned the statements that have been made by the Minister of Food and Agriculture, Brian Champong, to the effect that the NPP government will never hand over power to the NDC. Quote: As the political tradition that is in our nation's stable constitutional order, the NDC will do whatever it takes to resist the misrule and machination of the oppressor and thus protect and preserve our democracy. This is the quote from the NDC on Brian's comments. If you come to the Republic Press on page 3, uh, their take is that uh, the ill-conceived and wicked offensive deployed by the NDC when it has now started to attacking the personality of the Food and Agriculture Minister Brian Champon has been uh, countered by leading, by leading members of the party. Then goes on to so let me give you the quotes of this there are many things he said but mm. the parts the, the, the parts that really riled people NDC party will collapse if the NDC dares to use threats violence and fo- foolishness in the 2024 election we'll let them know we have the men we'll show them that we have the men we have the men he screamed to emphasize 
It will never happen that we, the MPP, will stand on a platform to hand over power to the NDC. It will never happen. We will make sure the MPP remains in government at all costs. Now, apart from <laughs> the NDC's response, there have been a number of reactions to this. For example, uh, Nyahota Maklo, founding member of the MPP, slammed the MP for Abitifi, a minister for uh, food and agriculture, claiming that the party would hold on to power at all costs. Now, Mr. Nyaho Tamaklo, in a statement, said the comment by Mr. Champong can lead this nation to destruction beyond the extent that Kufuado government has already caused. But the champions in discipline and violent tendency has reached legendary levels. And it is about time the president and the MPP leadership called him to sanity. Failure to do this will further injure the party and lead it to total collapse. Then, Dr. Emmanuel Akwete of IDEG, this is my job online, executive director of IDEG has called on the president to intervene in the NPP, never handing over power comment. Dr. Akwete believes clearing the air is necessary to prevent tension from escalating. But finally, I think the person to speak is the president on the matter and his ability to dismiss it, not as his policy, is extremely important. So basically, the, 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 the statement, I mean, if you listen to the statement in the way it is reported, it sounded very, very reckless. And um, there are many, many condemnations. But the MPP is seeking to say that He's been taken out of context, for which reason the headline you read. We'll mm. deal with this later on during the show itself. Mm. But there are other stories that we want to bring to you this morning. Okay, if you go to page 2 of the BNFT, uh, Wisdom Johnny Nuekbeth reporting that with Nigeria recording no privacy incidents in 2022, Ghana and Angola have risen to top on the list of countries report, top of the list of countries reporting piracy incidents in the Gulf of Guinea. This is according to data from the International Maritime Bureau's Piracy Reporting Center. Mm. The data indicated that Takwadi Anchorage and Luanda Anchorage were both included in the IMB PRC's list of worldwide ports with three or more reported incidents of piracy in 2022. Mm. But overall, global piracy and armed robbery numbers have decreased in the past but you also year. said that t-bills have been oversubscribed yes now if you go to page three of the same paper mm. the treasury exceeded its issuance target for q1 2023 by approximately 8.2 billion ghana cities issuing 36 billion ghana cities in total thus front-loading its capital raising requirements on the money market due to limited investment options available to investors resulting in higher demand for short-term securities okay all right, if you go to the Economic Times, since we're talking about economic activity, they have a very interesting story that says economic activities shrink. Elam Desau writes that story. And he says economic activities in the country for the first two months of 2023 um, shrunk by 7.6% mm. compared to a growth rate of 4.2% in the same period of 2022. Mm. And all of that is according to the Bank of Ghana's Composite Index of Economic Activity. Wow. In the real sector, the bank's high-frequency indicators pointed to further moderation in economic activity in line with the challenging macroeconomic environment. Mm. The main indicators that weighed down the index during the period were port activity, cement sales, imports, and credit mm. to the private sector. Yeah, so this one we've mm. discussed before. Let then me, the, the other okay. one on the economy, which <clears throat> I just think I'll add, is that the government has introduced over 10 new taxes since 2021. Again, on my journal line, the government has introduced more than 10 new and amended taxes since assuming office in 2017. Notable among them is the e-levy introduced in 2022, and then which imposes a 1% levy on all electronic transactions. And then there are some other taxes listed uh, here. In addition to the three new taxes, so that the COVID health recovery levy 2021, financial sector recovery levy 2021, the income tax amendment act 2021, energy sector amendment act 2021, 
Growth and Sustainability Levy, which was amended and passed last week, Excise Duty Amendment last week, Income Tax Amendment last week. There's also the withholding tax on realization of assets and liabilities. And then there are changes in motor vehicle benefits for employees and then VAT Amendment and withholding tax on winnings from betting. So quite a number of taxes introduced from 2021 to date. Well, let me take you to Kofodia and uh, on page 16 of the Daily Graphic, a clinical psychologist at the Eastern Regional Hospital, Akusia Sewa Bonsu, has urged employers to take stress management seriously to ensure the well-being of employees. Mm. Equally, she called for serious attention to be given to the mental health needs of young people, especially students. Mm. According to her, it was important for human resource officials and organizations to offer opportunities for talks with employees that guaranteed their privacy and confidentiality and also inquire about their psychosocial stresses for prompt intervention. Three, and okay. Let me just add two quick stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, of people. Uh, and then you can also add... Um, and uh, the City uh, mm-hmm. FM Foundation, mm-hmm. the work that we've been doing, because a lot of organizations are, have, donating. are donating. So Rig World, mm-hmm. on the back page of the Daily Graphic, they are supporting the New Life uh, Nungwa Children's Home. Mm-hmm. Um, they have donated assorted items and textbooks worth 80,000 Ghana cities. Okay. The last time we also did a story about a shortage of uh, accommodation for health officers. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Mr. Kwame Fusubanfu, seconds. He has handed over a bungalow to the Tiase wow. Presby Hospital. He spent 800,000 Ghana cities on that for health professionals to go and stay in mm. at Tiase. Very interesting. Now, in terms of donations, uh, well, the daybreak yes. captured what we did uh, during the Easter. Mm. Now, they say City FM, City TV donate 30k items to orphans at easter mm-hmm. so of course we went to basco mm. so they captured that and we went to other orphanages so the basco well, one tamale. was in the eastern region for yes. 30k and other items then there's a tamale children's home mm-hmm. receiving ten thousand and assorted items from this team and then there's the king jesus charity in kumasi uh, also getting twenty thousand cities this is Bwedi in ashanti region this is the second time they've uh, received this amount so in total if you put the three that's 60k to three orphanages over the easter period and big thank you to our listeners and our viewers for their support in pushing this for the past 15 years yes let me just give you uh some quick international stories there's a lot happening around the world and a lot of those things will impact us one way or a lot of international stories which are you have you have a lot more so you know over the past week there's a lot of write-ups about BRICS countries for example mm-hmm. BRICS countries have overtaken g7 nations in global gdp gdp yeah. right so Bra- brazil russia india china south africa gdp together has overtaking that of the richest seven countries in the world which is mm-hmm. eu us canada japan and uh, france and britain that's the first story then there's a lot of conversations about the us dollar, dollar as the reserve currency of the world, whether it's going to last, a lot of the analysts suggest that it's going to rain for a long time because, you know, there isn't a real alternative. alternative. So U.S., uh, a lot of FX transactions, about 70% of them mm-hmm. are in dollar. Yep. Only 20% is EU. Yeah, the RMB is only 7%. Yeah. But there's a strong view that the BRICS countries are also trying to create an alternative um, political and economic order. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have a new investment bank which they hope to challenge the, the World Bank. Exactly. And then there's an equivalent of the IMF that's also built with $100 billion. So, and a number of countries like Saudi Arabia and Co. have shown intentions to invest in those banks. Mm. So, the, the global geopolitical race continues. Brazil, Russia, India, China trying to break the Western hegemony. Mm. 
and some that also explains some of the visits of u.s high power people mm. to africa and all of that so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes but yeah. something happened uh last weekend that was pretty cool in yeah. sports so um we had the first national under 20 invitational in Tako. oh nice yes so this one all <laughs> the schools from across the country at one joint how many schools so this was uh select school so infancy pim school did really well okay i'm shocked Joseph Andor of the Fansipim School, the central region, was the toast of fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Babaya posted. He won the boys' 100 meters race. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran 10.54 with Gabriel Foley of Kumasi High School and ran with Kofi Addison of Chenyamanfu in the Abono region, placing second. Mm-hmm. And then he also had uh, Adams, Wuhalzad. So this is athletics and also football? No, 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 oh, just athletics. athletics. Okay. Now, Andor, the same Joseph Andor, he had earlier won gold in the keenly contested boys' 400 meters. Wow. Yeah, and then if you went to the girls' race, Nasara Kwanza and Kusime, mm-hmm. both students of Mansite in Fansiman, okay. placed first and second. So it looks like quite a bit. I hope they're able to keep and then um, this on up. sports. Since you're on sports, city sports, couple of stories. One good, one not too good. Jordan, are you <laughs> scored a wonderful brace mm. in Crystal Palace demolition <laughs> of Leeds United? The other case that was his former boss, which I find interesting because Has his, his form. And that this new boss is better, yeah, but he dedicated that what to Patrick Vieira. He has two Premier League goals now. Yeah, and then we are told Mohamed Salisu's uh, uh, absence from Southampton is not because of injury, but because they are doubt by his commitment. There are some reports there, and then Liverpool blew the <laughs> title race wide open with a two-two draw. Today you are talking about Liverpool. Oh, I'm just announcing. <laughs> Today they are announcing. <laughs> No, I see it's on the website. Keep announcing. It's on the City Sports Keep website. Keep the Spirit Apple. No, no, no. I'm just Keep announcing. this announcement, Spirit Apple. No. Oh, all I'm they saying say is Liverpool, Keep the Spirit up. They said Liverpool blows title uh, race open. With we a have heard you. At Asna. We have heard you. No problem. Oh. Not at Asna, please. It was at your house. Against Asna. <laughs> <laughs> this is house. the City Breakfast Show. The City's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. A minute to seven city business news coming up next brought to you by goyle your omc of choice we keep making life ever so convenient we accept momo for all fuel purchases remember you can use momo and all bank cards to buy fuel at goyle drive to your nearest goal station now buy fuel and pay by momo bank card or go card goyle good energy go yeah yeah dear news is also brought to us by mtn everywhere you go Ashika Sisa is joining us with the City Business News. Good morning, Na. Good morning, Bernard. Hello and welcome to the City Breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyle, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, Ghana inches closer to IMF bailouts as financial assurance from the Paris Club is expected to be laid before the IMF board. And also, Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana implores President Ekufuado not to accent the new tax bills into law. The details. 
The financial assurance from the Paris Club and China is expected to be laid before the International Monetary Fund IMF board after the ongoing spring meetings of the IMF and the World Bank. This follows assurances by the Paris Club of forming the official creditor committee this week to consider government's request for financial assurances. The Paris Club is expected to form an official creditor committee to consider government's request for financial assurances and provide financial assurances for Ghana to the International Monetary Fund. The committee, which will be formed this week, will take government a step closer in securing a board approval for the IMF bailout. Currently, a government delegation led by Finance Minister Ken Furiata is in Washington, D.C. to attend an IMF and World Bank Spring meeting. Already, Ghana has received assurances from China for a debt restructuring. Another important Factor for the country as it seeks the $3 billion bailout. Moving on, the Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana, Samson Asakia Wingobet, is calling on President Ekufado to heed to calls by economist Kwame Mpinin and desist from signing the three revenue measures bills into law. The new tax laws were passed by Parliament in a bid to help government generate about 4 million Ghana cities in revenue for the country. However, the economist Kwame Mpinin has joined forces resisting the implementation of the tax law as he says, it could spell doom for the businesses in Ghana. Reacting to the development, Samson Asakia Wingobit told City Business News it was the call in the right direction. I agree with him perfectly. If you make random sampling, to ask some members of parliament that what, especially the majority said, that what law do they pass, what law, what the three bill, do they understand it? What will be the effect on the economy? What will be the effect on the business community? Many of them will not be able to explain to it. But you have got to pass a bill that you've not. So if Kromis Kwamimpini is a senior most person, it's even a, uh, an MPP member, then clearly he's, he's thinking about Ghana first, not political party first. And that is the kind of people that we need to be in the helms of affairs. Because they actually brought this policy to parliament without thinking through. They just rush it on the members of parliament and say, approve it. And many of them, if you ask them what would be the effect, positive or negative effect on the economy, they won't be able to tell you. Or what they will tell you is government needs IMF and they have to, this is a, one of the conditions that they have to make for IMF to be able to give it a 3 billion credit. But the point is, the finance minister said some time ago that if by March they could not conclude this country will crash, how the country crash. That was Samson Asakia Wingabit, who is the Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana. Now, the Ministry of Finance is urging patrons of financial products and services to get acquainted with the various financial regulatory authorities in order to mitigate the instances of abuse of consumers. This, the Ministry believes, will help consumers make informed financial decisions and help seek help when needed. Speaking on the sidelines of the launch of the financial education campaign in Accra, the Deputy Minister of Finance, Abina Oseyasari, urged patrons of financial products and services not to hesitate to escalate any dissatisfaction of their holding financial institutions to the respective regulators. We bring the knowledge of financial information to everybody so that when anybody at all is making decisions on their financing, they'll be well informed. We also ask that we want to target the youth, the young people in society because we believe that um, we should catch them young and introduce these things to them to make sure that they are also well informed when they are making financial decisions. At this launch, we also made it known to everybody that every financial decision you make and the regulatory body. And so if 
it has to do with um, savings at the bank or anything, the regulatory body is the Bank of Ghana. We mentioned that if it has to do with your pensions, the regulatory body is the National Pensions Regulatory Authority. We also mentioned that if it has to do with insurance, it's the National Insurance Commission and the others. We want people to know their regulatory bodies so that if anything happens, once they speak to their financial company or the bank or wherever they went to save their money and the their concerns are not addressed in the way they feel they should be addressed. After 30 days, they can go to the regulatory bodies and also raise their concerns there. We want to make it such that people feel safe, one, to make informed decisions and also to put their monies where they feel that they will get the best um, benefits. You had a Deputy Minister of Finance, Abina Osea Sari. Now, the Ghana Hotels Association has revealed that its members across the country recorded major boost in patronage during the Easter celebrations. This period is typically marked by visits to local tourist attractions and to travel destinations such as the Quail Enclave. Speaking to City Business News, the president of the association, Dr. Edward Akanyamike, called for more efforts to increase domestic tourism patronage in the country. The, the feedback we are receiving, and of course, <laughs> it's just like any other year apart from the uh, the corona year when uh, it was very clear uh, that uh, we didn't have the numbers there. But it's been like that over the years, festive seasons, festive periods. Uh, we have a lot of the hotels uh, receiving the high patronage because of the festivities. I mean, people love to go uh, back home, and it's not everybody who has that uh, family accommodation back home. And sometimes they also go with visitors. The people also want to explore uh, uh, domestic tourism, explore new areas, travel outside their comfort zone to other places. So yes, I mean, a typical example is the Kwewutin. You know, the paragliding and all those activities that goes on there. So, yes, the the season is good for hotels. The only thing is that it's a short season to be over soon. And then we'll have to return back to normal where we continue to strive for patronage. So, the it is good. President of the Ghana Hotels Association, Dr. Edward Akanyamike. Now on the interbank foreign exchange market where banks trade among themselves, the dollar remained unchanged and is selling at 10 cities, 9 pesos. The British pound is selling at 13 cities, 6 pesos. It recorded no price change. The euro is also selling at 12 cities. It also recorded no price change. However, be guided by these figures that it will be higher at the Forex Bureau near you. Now let's join Gillian Hammer of DataBank for part one of the topic, 10 tips for teaching your child about money. Teaching your child about money and how to manage it is one of the best gifts you can give to him or her. There are 10 tips you can consider and today we will cover the first four. Number one, appeal to different learning styles. Some children learn better by hearing, some by seeing, some by touch, or a mix of one or more. So look for activities that best suit your child's learning style. Number two, consider their age in your approach. Your child's ability to grasp certain financial concepts will depend partly on their age. So make sure your conversation and examples are age appropriate. Number three, find and use key teaching opportunities. Share information when it's possible or easiest. For example, 
When eating out, you could use the restaurant menu to start a conversation with your child about comparing prices. If you have a teenager, you could use topics in the news like the increase of living expenses as a path to talking about how to distinguish between spending on needs and wants. Number four is speak in familiar terms. Keep your lessons simple and work with your child to explain the big terms and abbreviations of the money world. That was Gillian Hammer of Databank. And that's it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyle, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Have a great day. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Ten minutes past seven, ninety-seven point three City FM. So we went for Easter break to celebrate Easter, you know, to to help people to show love to the the poor, only to wake up to some comments by some politician. Charlie, Charlie, Ghana, what you want to make progress? Then some things are just pulling us back. You want to come and talk about development? Then look at what Vanny Champon has gone to do. Oh Lord. <laughs> Charlie. Oh no 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 no! Very very disappointing. We'll deal with that issue soon on the show today. But let's keep our eye on the ball, the economy, the economy. Brilliant lecture on Thursday. Uh, Yao Graham delivered a lecture on the need for transformation in Ghana's economy. A lecture I think a lot more people should be hearing. Now, the, the, see, the tragedy of Ghana is so, like, a speech like Yao Graham's speech that, of course, CTTV had live may not get as much um, mileage as the Brainy Champong uh, statement. Obviously, what Bernie Champon said is irresponsible and has to be roundly condemned. But it's funny how the, the things that we really need to deliberate on, for some reason, politicians always conspire that we don't discuss them. You know, we don't talk about the things that matter that often. So we spend time, oh, up and down. Spend three days on this matter. And then we come back to equilibrium. Then the issues of transformation, how we even got into this economic mess and all of the things we need to do to get out will be lost on the citizens and they'll keep repeating the same mistakes and every election cycle politicians just set the whole nation on edge you know 
these things have to stop and these things have to be roundly condemned you know so what i'll do is that in the last hour of the show i'll bring you highlights of dr Yal graham's lecture because i think that some of the things he said are very important for us our focus on cocoa alone to the detriment of other food crops is, is a big issue our focus on just gold as against other things that can be mined is also important so all of those things i will highlight today on the show in addition to also telling our politicians please this is not what we need now mr Echampo. <laughs> if, if you are if you are excited talking to your supporters know that you are you are this is 2023 ghana and such statements will not be tolerated we'll deal with that on the show as well plus ghana's likelihood of securing an imf deal before the end of may but kickoff is next it's brought to us by Le Shero. did you know that for over a decade we've been supporting the investment goals of our customers with attractive solutions we've always been a safe haven for depositors who have security or who value security as well as competitive returns with easy access to track your funds we offer flexible deposit products for 91 day 182 day and 365 days yes. open a fixed deposit account with us call 0577-707700 and let's achieve your goals together let's share with savings and loans a trusted safe even for your investment and by now you should have known the triple benefit of having shell fuel safe it's extra kilometers extra savings extra protection extra clean from our fuel safe the triple action formula improves your engine's efficiency and prevents deposit buildup and protects your engine for wear and corrosion switch now to shell fuel safe today because extra kilometers go a long way Benjamin Kitas in the studio. Office next. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Bernard. Let's get into the headlines. And Ghana's Black Queens, they are up in action today against Senegal in a friendly match. Now, the quarterfinal of the Champions League kicks off today. Manchester City take on Bayern Munich in a big one. And Leicester City appoints Dean Smith as caretaker coach until the end of the season. <laughs> Let's get to the details now. Minister of Youth and Sports Mustafa Youssef is calling on Ghanaians to support Chris Hutton uh, following a good start to his tenure as Black Stars head coach. Now, Hutton back four points against Angola in back-to-back -back games for the 2023 AFCON qualifiers as Black Stars of Ghana scheduled uh, are scheduled to play in Cote d'Ivoire if they manage to qualify from that particular group. Now, his immediate task is to get Ghana to that particular tournament. Now, speaking to City Sports Youssef, he outlined a number of objectives set for the 64-year-old during his tenure as head coach of the national team. I would say it is too early to judge him. The only thing I would say is for us to, as a country, support our national team coach, Chris Hutton, to deliver. He's committed to his job, he's dedicated, he has the experience, and we can all see that he has just started on a very good note. So as let's all rally behind him and give him the maximum support to coach our national team and so that we can achieve the objective that we have set for ourselves as a country. 
That is what I can say on the national team coach, Chris Whitten. The objectives are set by the FA for him to ensure that we qualify for AFCON, also to ensure that he identified local talent, local talent from our league, to also ensure that we qualify for World Cup, and also to make sure that our ranking in the FIFA ranking improve. These are the objectives in the contract that he has signed, and that's why I'm saying that it is too early to judge him. Just for two games, you are judging a coach will not be fair. Let's rally or give him all the support that he's needed so that he can deliver. Mustafa Youssef is Minister of Youth and Sports. Let's get to some other news. And General Secretary for the Ghana Football Association, Prosper Harrisonado, says the, the international friendlies against the Teranga Lionesses of Senegal will help shape up the Black Queens ahead of upcoming competitive assignments. Now, Nora Hoptel's side did thrash Senegal by three goals to nil at the Accra Sports Stadium over the weekend, and they will host the same side later today in the second leg. Let's get to Nora Hoptel for her thoughts, or let's get to Prosper Harrisonado rather on his thoughts on the friendlies. The senior women's national teams have been utilizing the FIFA windows. So uh, this uh, window, current window, we engaged Algeria and they were ready to come. Unfortunately, at the last hour, they wrote to us that circumstances beyond their control would not allow them to come. Immediately, we triggered another uh, negotiations with a number of countries. Uh, we are able to get Senegal. And then we'll, we'll, we'll progress and see uh, to it that the team uh, will be in shape uh, when the competitive matches come. So you had GFA General Secretary Prosper Harrison Addo speaking there. Meanwhile, Black Queen's head coach Nora Haptor says her objective is to build a formidable team to compete for the Wafu Cup of Nations and the 2024 Women's Africa Cup of Nations in Morocco. This is our job to solve all these challenges. Of course, we have a lot of talks and the support of our leaders. So we need to, to qualify for Olympics for WAFCON. This is our goal. We announced the mission Volta and want to bring turn and success towards women's soccer. But when we want to achieve these goals, it also has the consequence that we need to bring the best players in. And, and um, so, yeah, of course, this sometimes it's a big budget, you know, so we are also uh, very happy when the sports minister is supporting us. Um, in the end, it's always a bit the question, is first the egg or is, is um, the chicken, you know? Does first needs to come the money or first the, the results? So we try to, to play successful, but we need also the support. So you have Black Queens head coach Nora Hoptel speaking there. Do go to the Accra Sports Stadium to support the Black Queens in that particular game. Let's get to Europe. The UEFA Champions League returns tonight. The quarter-final stage big games coming up. Now, Portugal's Benfica Football Club Day will be seeking to make it to the semi-finals of this year's competition when they take on Inter Milan from Italy. That game should be a good one, but the big one is at the Etihad when Manchester City hosts Bayern Munich ahead of that particular one. It's at 7pm and Pep Guardiola side, they are chasing a maiden Champions League title after losing the 2021 final to a Chelsea side managed by Thomas Tuchel. Here's Pep's reaction when asked if Man City want to win the Champions League this season. The failure won I won this competition, yeah, definitely. We want to try, it's an honor to be here against the elite club like Bayern Munich and yeah, we're happy to be here, happy to be here. Only I can say so. It's not for granted, you have to deserve it, you have to play good two games, 
and try to do the first, and, and that's all. But you know that question is coming at you all the time. Well, it came from it. six, seven years ago when I arrived here. When I was appointed, when I was playing against the Stock Cities and going in the Premier League the first game. So you are here to win the Champions League. It's come every single season. I understand that. So I had said many times, we tried last season, we tried two seasons ago, we tried three seasons ago, every single season. But there are teams that you face that also they are good too and they want to win it too and my ambitions I don't know the ambitions in their own lives and every one of you or the people around the world ambitions to be perfect Pep Guardiola is Manchester City head coach let's also hear from Manchester City defender Ruben Diaz speaking on the team's quality well we have some names as well we've got Kyle Walker we've got Manu we've got me we've got Nathan we've got Johnson's we've got Aime and we've got Sergi so we've also got our 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 names so that's interesting because a criticism of the defense is that Walker apart there isn't a lot of pace but you would back your pace against those players a criticism of the city defense is that apart from Kyle there's a lack of pace there but you would back your defense against the pace of Bayern we'll see why sorry why, why will we see well you'll see on the pitch so you heard Ruben Diaz there, uh, Manchester City defender. Let's get to the camp of Bayern Munich and Thomas Muller has also been speaking on facing his former manager Pep Guardiola. I did not have the feeling that the opponent teams were very happy to play against Pep teams. Okay, you, you can be successful for sure, you can beat uh, everybody and City has also very good players but the style of the Pep teams means a lot of running for the opponent's team. Okay, okay. I, today I trained, yesterday I trained very hard with our fitness guru, uh, Olga Broy, so maybe I'm good prepared for running. But I think there are teams, maybe it makes more fun to play against. But as you mentioned before, in these kind of games, this season, we were very sharp, we were very good in the performance, we were very good in the results. We are confident, but we all, all know, and we played uh, City in, in the pre-season we, we all know when when city is on a run it also means that you have to suffer during the game maybe more than five minutes so the stage is set for the big one manchester city Bayern Munich. that should be spicy let's get to some boxing to close out the news and ghanaian boxer senna agbeko has admitted that he is surprised that his wba super middleweight fight against david morrell has been slated as an undercard bout now agbeko will be fighting on the same night as javonta davis and ryan garcia on the 22nd of april at the t-mobile arena in las vegas the 31 year old who has 27 wins and two losses in his career takes on the 25-year-old Southpaw David Morrow from Cuba with a chance to win his first world title. Speaking in an interview with City Sports ahead of the fight, he added that training camp is going well in the lead-up to the bout. Um, camp ahead of this fight um, is going really, really well. Um, I've added some reinforcements to my coaching staff to make sure that we have a world-class uh, preparation. Um, in addition to that, I've been doing some mental training as well, you know, just to help me deal with the pressure of um, this fight. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very happy with our preparation and very confident that um, on April 22nd, we will be victorious. I, I'm not at all surprised that, um, you know, about this fight. I don't think it was put together that fast. Um, there have been talks of the the fight earlier on this year, it's just nothing concrete. Um, if there's anything I'm more surprised about, it's about the fact that it was um, uh, put on the Ryan Garcia Javante um, Davis card. Um, that's the only surprise. But um, actually, um, his coach, uh, Morel's coach, had kind of hinted that it was going to be on a prior card, and that didn't happen. So, you know, it's no surprise at all that uh, this fight was put together.
uh, Ghanaian boxer Sena Agbeko um, speaking there now on the breaking news side of things. Leicester City, they have appointed a caretaker manager in Dean Smith until the end of the season. Now, the former Norwich City, Aston Villa and Brentford manager will take charge of first team training from Tuesday uh, in preparation for uh, this weekend's trip to Manchester City. So that's what's happening with Leicester. Brendan Rogers out, Dean Smith in. That's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Inketia, the small sport at citysportsonline.com. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Health Tidbits is brought to you by the Nyahoo Medical Center. Welcome to Nyahoo Health in the City. Shall we continue our discussion on ensuring your baby is protected and developing well? Regular weight checks, or what we popularly call weighing, are important to ensure your baby is growing and developing properly. Your pediatrician will monitor your baby's weight at each visit and recommend additional weight checks if there are any concerns about your baby's growth and development. Finally, breastfeeding provides numerous benefits for both you and baby. It is a complete source of nutrition for your baby and provides antibiotics that can help protect against illness. Breastfeeding promotes bonding between you and your baby. And it is encouraged that you breastfeed on demand, but typically most babies nurse every two to three hours. If you have any questions or challenges breastfeeding your baby, please speak to our mother and child team. Call or WhatsApp us on 050-143-662 for further inquiries or follow Nyahoo Medical Center on social media for more health in the city tips. Nyaho improving your quality of life health tidbits was brought to you by the nyahoo medical center join the conversation on the city breakfast show on facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 97.3 twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 and instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag city cbs
in it, a position taking it, got your mother screaming it, I got the youth backing it, got the feeling what I'm talking, don't care if you drive a truck, truck, see glass or you're walking, respect yourself cause I'm watching, cause my sound is shocking, got the clock ticking, yo tell me, I be the number one secret weapon, in Africa, I'm open for discussions, now tell me. So it's uh, 7.34. See the breakfast show. Number of quick birthday requests coming through. Happy birthday to Beth Asiedu Edu of Mobile Zone Limited. Technophones at Dakuman Junction from your colleagues and friends. Special birthday shout out to the Queen at 40, Miss Dora Labi, accountant of the Ghana Genesis Association. The DJ wish you a blessed birthday. Ketsi Albert Kwabena Junfo, who's the DJ president, to Miss Dora Labi. Happy birthday to Sandra Na Achuekone of BNC Laboni. Wishing you good health, wealth, happiness, and more blessings from the Almighty, from your mom, your brothers and sisters, and Beryl. So, Nana Yao Debra of Oduma Solutions Limited, the cyber security people. Your inspiration to everyone, you touch so many lives with joy, and you deserve to have your deepest wishes and dreams come true. From Chairman, uh, from Koforidia Legendary Football Club Yo, to you, Nana Yao Debra of Oduma Solutions. Also, wishing the general manager of Serious Systems Ghana Limited, PSB, Mrs. Lola Asise Ashite, a happy birthday. Mrs. Ashite, GM Extraordinary, mother like no other kingdom woman, marketing and communications guru. We celebrate you today. May the blessings of God abound over your life and your family. Have a great and happy birthday from the PSB unit and the entire SSGL family. And to Selom Koku Dugbenya from your family, dad, Martin Dugbenya, mom, Caroline Dugbenya and your sister, Sedinam Dugbenya, happy 11th birthday. And happy birthday to the living legend, the grandpapa, the father of hip life, Reggie Rockstone. This one came in from Ronnie. And I'm sure all rappers. <laughs> All musicians, yeah, those all, of us who love the culture, you know. Yeah, I saw a video of Reggie Rockstone last Reginald um, or say three weeks ago. Yeah, Atimota 98 did their, um, you know, they asked whatever something they were doing, and yeah. then they went to the school, the dining hall, mm-hmm. Charlie. So they were doing some music thing, and the DJ was jamming. And then out of nowhere, Reggie Rockstone just emerged, <laughs> and like the dining hall. <laughs> Went absolutely crazy, and I was like, "This is SS one to SS three people yeah. in 2023, mm-hmm. right?" Reggie was in Motown. Most of these folks' parents are not even gotten married. <laughs> not talking <laughs> of even getting born. Charlie. So they were the DJ playing some jam, and then they, they were like dancing and things. Then Reggie Rockstone, like the place on me, then he, you know, like the way he, he glided. Yeah, Charlie, Nathan, the Reggie's Charlie, the, and the people were screaming and they <laughs> mobbed him. And I said, ah, yeah. But how do these 17, 16, 15 year olds 
know who Reggie is. And he's a legend. Relate with him so. Yeah, he's a motown they, they, legend. The guy could, they could. It was like they were mobbing the guy, and they were singing all his lines. Yeah. I was like, ah, Charlie. Reggie now to say. Reggie is older than Samenzo. <laughs> No, no, let's put the thing in context. I mean, I think when Samen Sam were in Form 1, he was in Form 5 or something. That guy grew. Yeah, he grew. You know, Charlie. <laughs> no, Reggie Rocks. Reggie. No, 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 Reggie Rocks to Charlie. No, no, no. I mean, Charlie, how many musicians of his age can enter a secondary school and still. <laughs> and, and close. Yes, it's true. Just like entertainment night. Like, yeah. like he basically closed the program. He learned, you know, they get in mic where they do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 also, Ghana's, I think he was number two dancer, best dancer, Ajete. So, I'm not Chance. sure. Apparently, he, I think they say he was the Dada B boys, and Ajete so I was like, <laughs> yeah, hostless. So, you know, I think Jimmy I, Lee was dancing with Reggie or something. I don't even know. So, Charlie, you know, he was, he was, he was the main, you know, yeah. I, who, I don't know who in Ghana today. Can compare to Reggie when he was Reggie. He was a friend. He was unique. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe like who in Ghana is is known, yeah. is loved, is is pechepe, is, <laughs> is the main thing. You know? Oh God! Charlie. And he's maintained his form. Yeah. I don't even know what food he eats, man. You know, Charlie's serious. <laughs> I don't know how old he is. You know, he's, know he's, he's a very interesting character. I always yeah. say that you can't write Ghana's music story, never, or Ghana's hip hop story, never, and not add Reggie Rockstone because he made it cool to rap in your I'm local you, language. I'm telling you, you know, it, uh, I mean, the way he says, Mina, was it Mina and had all these very interesting album titles, Maka, Maka, Mina Mekai, Mekka, and all these. Reggie, you know? happy birthday from to a, you. From, 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 for Sergei Reasons, I'll be able to play Makamaka. Yes, we'll play it. We'll play it. It's such an up-tempo song. Yeah, we'll, we'll play soon. And happy birthday to Dr. Kobe Mensa. Oh, yeah. uh, Professor. And I'm coming. I, I'm reading a full <laughs> message. On his elevation as an associate professor of the UGBS. Mark, and this is from the UGBS Relationship marketing class of 2023 so uh, you are now a so prof charlie i think you can now let the beard go it's okay last time i saw it charlie he had you know gray gray in the storing the beard yeah he says he's working hard at it <laughs> no kobe Mensa. i like kobe because he straddled the public's face and also his work very nicely you know a lot of there are a lot of good academics who don't really care much for the media or care much to even comment apart from their publishing mm-hmm. so to be able to combine an active media presence with publishing enough to become as a prof at this mm-hmm. young age yeah, sure. is really good so kobe charlie he's a he's a he's a modern academic if you look at how he engages the students oh, yes yes, uh, he, yes a yes. lot of the students who go through his class always rate him as their yeah. favorite lecturer yeah. 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 sort of thing he's a very and the business school is doing something good the business school is recruiting some very good lecturers yes who are young and more they are different in their teaching style so each time you go there you mm-hmm. realize the younger lecturers are more engaging and they are being encouraged to experiment more exactly which so, is what we need so i think uh, what's his name about you say about you say enjoy enjoy the day a few more coming in do one okay yes a special one that is coming through 
This one is uh, happy birthday to Jesse Ayeyi Apia of Harvest International School. Mm. This is from your mom and your dad. Before I get into politics, just needed to say a couple of things about the weekend. So I think the Harvest Praise was the best I've seen. Mm, don't know when it was there. Ages. Like I, it was live on TV and I couldn't stop watching it. The production you know, quality was good. Was, it was was really good. You know, from from the harvest people, their introduction to the theater, to the sermon, mm. then to harvest first and second package to their costume, mm-hmm. to the MC, to the launch of the harvest. Um, they have uh, what do you call it? What's the, what is what is it like? They have this um, oh music productions, mm-hmm. right? The record label, they launched it. Diana Hobson and Co. Then to Don Moen, absolute professional performance. <laughs> playing, you know this thing I like about professionals. He didn't come and play. Oh, I have a new song. I want. No, to no, no. He played no. what you. He know. came and he performed. He and another keyboardist, beautiful performance. And then Moses Bliss as well. Mm. You know, I, I think it's been the best. I mean, most harvest praise. I'm either there or emceeing. This is the first one I've sat at home and watched on television. And I'll tell you, it's the most, been the most enjoyable. Everybody in my house was watching it. Mm. It was beautiful. So, congratulations to the Harvest Ministries, Harvest Gospel Choir, the, the committee. Fantastic job. You know, world class production. World class production, I should say. And uh, Ronkinoli was looking hiding there. Ronkinoli, Ronkinoli. <laughs> you know what? What amazed me about him? He looked. He's sort of trimmed. Yes. He looked he's like your regular. Ghanaian senior citizen mm-hmm. wearing some uh, tie and dye shirt and he says he wants to move to Ghana and he says it's called Ronkweku Kenoli and I really wish he would have done some cameo like just come and do some one song but he didn't <laughs> you know it was really good seeing Ron Kenoli at Harvest Praise you know so great stuff by the team and if you're a young musician look if 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 Reggie Rockstone gives a talk, go and listen. If he writes a book, buy it. He's fifty nine today. I'm told. What? Can you imagine? What? Reggie. Yeah. Charlie. Papa, grandpapa. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie. Grandpapa. No, I was. You're not here. I was talking to no, him about what, what, what he you. did. Like you know, to, if you go to like you know, I finished secondary school in ninety eight. So when I go to presec and I talk to the students, I, I'm old. It's yes. like ah, ninety eight. Because, like, dude, my producer finished Accra in 2014 or something, mm. which is, like, almost 10 years ago. And yet, Reggie straddles popularity between those <laughs> generations. I mean, the guy goes to Achimota school last two weeks. Yes. Motown at 98. And the assembly hall is, the dining hall is, how? He's a proper icon. How do they even know his songs? And how do they record? And how do they even jump into his beat? Yeah. What is a proper icon? Yeah, he is an icon. No, it's crazy. You know, that level of relevance just tells you that he so, did well. So you say he's an icon as against a superstar. Yes. So so if, you, just, if yeah, he's an icon. If you are ranking so so Madonna is an icon. Yes, she's gone beyond Michael Jackson is an icon. Yeah, but Mal is an icon. Yeah, they've gone beyond okay. those levels. Superstar so 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 Jay Z is not an icon. He's a megastar. Jay Z is it's on his way to becoming yeah. an icon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so, okay, so okay, if is an icon, just educate me. So if no, within, that, within our context, so Ghana, our context, if is an icon context, in Ghana, no yes. problem. So, what to um, uh, could you entry be? Same. Also an icon. Yes. yes. Daddy Lumba, same. Same. Okay. So, what's the next level after? Icon? You see, because 
before icon sak sako dia at this moment is somebody i would consider a superstar okay yeah, so he's he's once he's before yeah he he's working his he's way, working okay, his way to iconhood yeah, uh, stone stone boy superstar, superstar. you understand okay but, i get it um, so icon is like even though he stopped producing new music kojenchi hasn't done anything for god knows how long if kojenchi says he's playing independent square today he will feel it it will be filled he might not even need to do promo in fact they must stop doing promo of his shows a long time ago so so reggie is an icon yeah reggie Re, you, you know also because and he's worked hard at staying relevant if you look at what he did with the vvip thing yeah. he's he's very visible on social he talks he about a lot yeah he talks about contemporary issues, contemporary issues. Yeah. you know he talks politics yeah. he talks religion he talks yeah. entertainment yeah. he's very accessible yeah. to a lot of people yeah. uh, he shares insights into his life so although this generation might not have seen his work so they still see this reggie person I, and I, it takes I, them back to what his i work. wonder about is how this guy who has a bit of how even like which also testimony to probably how he was brought up yes because if he can he, he could say he he went, he's modernized without getting westernized mm-hmm. right he's very proud to speak his tree speaks yeah. very well but if he has to speak english he speaks very well as well mm-hmm. he's kept his rasta the way mm-hmm. he keeps his body very well yeah. i'm not sure if he drinks i don't know don't yeah know he's but when you, but he's, like i said he was taekwondo champion yeah so, so he keeps his body in yeah, shape, yeah, in shape. Yeah. right and he he's around. managed to keep himself relevant throughout the ages yes you see the, the thing Which I, few people are able to do you see I, I i always tell you this thing about why i rate some people more than others when mm-hmm. we have this football conversation yeah it's always for me about transcendence mm-hmm. okay now have there been better rappers than reggie yes of course mm. okay in terms of pure ability pure ability, in terms of pure, pure ability, pure ability. Yes. Mm-hmm. have there been rappers who have sold more than yeah. reggie yes yeah. have there been rappers with bigger songs than reggie yes mm-hmm. but the thing is this he the defining moment will always be associated with what he came to do I see. And that is what gives him his space. Both so that time is both, also important. Yes, both behind the mic and also for his videos. Some of the if you look at the kind of Reggie introduced uh, you know, if you watch Reggie Rockstone's videos at the yeah, time yeah. and what was available at the time, you could see that the the plot lines were well, a bit more sophisticated than what was available, mm. a bit more thinking, mm. you know, and his collaboration with his video directors were pretty key to that. So, mm. in a lot of ways, he's, he's done his bit for the mm. game. Wow. Happy birthday again. Special shout to the grandpapa. Yeah. Now, now, purveyor of Wachi. Gourmet Wachi. Gourmet Wachi. In the bottle. Wachi in jars and bottles. Wachi in the kunku. Shit, 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 shit. Why am I 
So it's uh, 11 minutes to 8 uh, before we get into our big stories for the day. Get ready to elevate your driving experience with the vehicle from Toyota Ghana. For a limited time only, Toyota is offering a super bundle offer on the 1.4 liter Starlet, the 1.8 liter Corolla Cross Adventure, and the 1.5 liter Rush. And basically, buy any of these vehicles within the promo period and enjoy a one year free comprehensive insurance, a one year free home insurance, a one year free service, free starter fuel, and an irresistible price discount. Call us on 0302 910 204. This is our Credit purchase is also available through special arrangements with our finance partners. Toyota Superior Quality. Another quick one to Francis Furijuma, director of Airport View Hotel. Happy birthday. Thank you for being such an amazing boss. Month of month on month, you put food on our table. From Emily Catherine Befu to Francis Furijuma. But you know, earlier, earlier, you read a birthday wish for the associate professor. Yes. Uh, Kobe Mensah. Professor well, Kof- yeah, uh, Professor Ko- Kobe Mensah. Well, uh, his, it looks like his class is the uh, marketing strategy. So his students have also sent in a wish. 2022-2023 marketing strategy class of the UG Business School. A nice one. Yeah. They, they love him to bits. <laughs> Maybe I should call him uh, to help me analyze what I'm just about to play. You know, he's into communications and a bit of politics. Because a very nice weekend was nearly mad by, <laughs> I think, I don't know what word to use, but let's play it and then we can look for the word to use. The word that came to mind may not be charitable, but here is a minister of Greek speaking at um, the eastern region. Where is this? Not too far from his hometown, actually. Uh, Abetifi. Abetifi. Okay, so this is a rally they held and he was addressing MPP supporters. Ukraine, Russia, war, COVID. Am I in two years? I call from my opposition. Who is starting to do? Am I one day? I call through. And saying, it's starting to say, it's possible to possibility. Biden should say, I go to dollar every 17, about 10. Petrol every 17, about 9. And never in the come from Everybody, I say, I'm the baby, 2024 now. The best jobs, and we have the band. 
This is a minister of agriculture, <sighs> former uh, minister of state for national security, speaking at Impriaso. Speaking at Impriaso. I'm not sure if I even need to translate this because I think it's very clear for people to, to, to <laughs> hear, right? I mean, so it says NDC <clears throat> as a party will collapse. This is portions of what he said that IMF deal will come, etc., etc., etc. The economy has not done well, and therefore the NDC have, or the opposition have been emboldened to say they would win, but that the NDC as a party will collapse if the NDC dares in 2024 elections. We'll let them know that we have the men. We will show them that we have the men. We have the men screaming on top of his voice. It will never happen that we, the MPP, will stand on a platform to hand over power to the NDC. It will never happen. We will use every means possible to remain in government at all costs. I mean, if this is not... <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe this. 2023. <laughs> you'd have thought that, Charlie, 30 years of democratic first republic, we are learning how to manage transitions, how not to... This is inciting people. This is... I mean, I, I don't, I don't even understand. Maybe your explanation last Friday, Thursday is what will probably explain it that they speak to their supporters. But even speaking to supporters, this is completely unacceptable. Should be roundly condemned, and you should take it back. the The fact that the MPP is even defending this is even more shocking. Right? Understand? Like, <laughs> how how do you go on a platform and say that there's no way you're going to hand over power to the NDC? Well, if if somebody had to hand over the power to you would you be in government just like, why wouldn't you hand over power if you lose if you lose you hand over power that's what you do you and when you say you use every means to remain in power what do you mean by that he should be questioned he should be speaking he should be giving some serious answers to the police what do you mean by use every means because they are legitimate means of staying in power you, and you don't in 2023 when we are chopping easter celebrating thinking about jesus and things look how you are doing you know, it, and I, I, I don't know. And you know, what is sad about this is, is not even the statement. The fact that the party will come and support it. <laughs> like, MPP says, look, there's no way, you know, M- I would have said from the general, said, look, this is not MPP. Maybe he was feeling excited and he said what he said. And therefore, you get me. But for the party to now come and say that somebody's twisting it. I mean, did, okay, let me play it again. If somebody's twisting I mean, what what else do you need to hear to say that this is irresponsible. Yeah, so, so like, oh, and like some people are saying, oh, this is um, NDC people are trying to twist this propaganda. Play it again. And see if this is, if you are, if you are, you if you are driving to school with your children, is this the kind of thing you want your minister of agriculture to be saying in the morning when you are going to school, listening to it, knowing that this is going to get a lot of coverage? Mm-hmm. Is this the kind of thing that your, your minister of any level should be saying? In public, in a, in a democracy, the party in the Abai, Perenchem Kakabatuya Okwaimu, Ukraine, Russia, war, COVID, am I in Tutuya Day, Equiform, am I opposition, Ehun is Adentino, am I Mahone Day, Equosuro, and saying. Say 
A minute to eight, we bring you tech and show media trends before we, we get back into this. Uh, and it's brought to us by First National Bank. Now, what if I told you that first things first, that there are things etched in stone that will never change? We all know that one comes before two, A comes before B. And that B comes way before the letter N. And what if I told you that at FBM Bank, our goal is to put you, our cherished customer, first? And that our financial services offer the gold standard of value and excellence. That our products and services have been designed just for you. That you deserve the final things in life, and banking is no exception. When you think of a bank that cares and puts its customers first, put the B before the N. Think FBN Bank. You first. So take and show me that trends. Nathan Quell. Yeah, very interesting mm. <laughs> Twitter trend. So Stoneboy, Shatawale, Sarkodie. So several music conversations happening. Remember Stoneboy recently went around. He's on a media tour talking about his new... Um, album the fifth dimension so several people talking about that and of mm-hmm. course one stone boy is mentioned shatawali gets mentioned as well we just we just boy, ah, it's just there so those other things in the trend a few sporting related trends sadio mani thomas party man united all of these things of course, birthday from, was i think yesterday yes also. yes yes so all of that also popping yeah. up in the trends oh, to yeah. some tech news and um Chinese tech giant Alibaba hmm? has announced plans to roll out its own artificial intelligence chat GPT style product. Okay, now its cloud computing unit says it will ge- it will integrate sorry the chatbot across Alibaba's businesses in the near future, but did not give details on its timelines. Now, in recent months, tech companies around the world have unveiled their own so-called generative AI chatbots, and several companies are doing. Um, same. So that's the latest from Alibaba. They say they are bringing out their own chatbot. So be on the lookout for that particular one. Mm. That was pretty quick. Can you show me that, friends? <laughs> Brought to you by FBN. You first. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. 
Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. Six minutes past eight, City Breakfast Show. So it's a low-key celebration day for the Rockstone, but big, big stories to discuss. In politics, MPP held a rally at um, Priyasu. Brandy Champo, Minister for Greek, made a very, very... Dangerous statements about the 2024 election. Go ahead. And I think the two most important things, which really people are not happy, and then which raise eyebrows. I'm trying to be the true shot, not like where it says we will never hand over power to the NDC. And then also the point about they will use every means possible. Now I, I'm I'm not sure whether we are uh, which aspects of the speech we should um, we should sort of take like this is just politics and which we should take as this is potentially. Um, treasonous, which is what the NDC is calling this. So I'm going to call up uh, somebody who works in this space, uh, Dr. Emanuela Kwete, Executive uh, Founding Director of the IDEG, uh, to give us some insights into what to make of this and what this type of rhetoric portends for the election, because th- that's really what it is. Dr. Kwete, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning. Look, I really wish on Easter Tuesday I'll be calling you to say Happy Easter. I hope you had a good break. I, I didn't. I was waiting you know, for it. Or you know, even to lunch. Yeah, but you know, then po- politicians open their mouth, and we have to now discuss the kind of things they say. So I'm, I'm in, but they were Happy Easter, though. Happy Easter. I hope you had a good celebration. Thank you. Thank you. Same. Wonderful. Yeah. So I, I, I played about two minutes of the the audio. He was on the rally talking, and I'm, I'm not sure whether to even be shocked because politicians have become known for this type of thing but be that as it may what was your reaction when you heard the speech that Bryony Champon gave over the weekend um well i think it's in the old mode of uh thinking that our democracy uh, and violence you know coexist and so when you say you are not going to hand over power and i think he ought to have gone to the point is that if we voted out, we would stay. We wouldn't go. It would be clear, but he, he left it a bit ambiguous. We are not going to hand over power. 
But the fact is that in democracy, the rules are clear. The elite consensus is when you, the people decide, it's a decision of the people, not the politicians, that we are giving you the mandate, limited, to govern for four years. And you have lost the elections, you concede and you move on. So the concession that an opposition leader makes and says, well, I congratulate you based on the figures and so on and all that, congratulations. It's a very important part of a democratic culture. And as soon as anyone gets up and says, I'm not going to respect that culture, that value, that norm, it's actually subversive of a democratic system. And you see it in the army. You see, the army says, I don't need you to tell me to overthrow an elected government and take power. And when I take the power, I don't owe it to you. So I'm governed by decrees, and you have to obey or the consequence will be nasty, and so on. That is the occasion that the handing over doesn't occur democratically, but force is used to hold, take power and hold it. Then the pressure builds again. We don't want you. The people always say, go and give us, leave us to, to, to manage our own affairs with our rights and duties. So it's a serious statement he's made. And that needs to be condemned unreservedly. Uh, I've had opportunity to speak about it sometime yesterday. And I said, actually, we have cause to worry because it is Brian, the Honorable Minister now. Because of what happened, Ayawaso West War gone. The Emil Short Commission, what came up? And you saw the anger of the police on that occasion that some other force could emerge within political cycles. And he was Minister of State in the presidency. And if you listen to the police carefully, including the former IGP, Mr. Champon, who was on the, on the committee, they did not take lightly to this. Now, we should also remember that not only did we, this Ayahuasca West War gone thing then showed how uh, uh, another force could organize besides the state, but on two occasions, in elections 2016 and 2020, the uh, armed forces general had a press conference and warned that if anything threatens our democracy, like violence on a large scale, they will step in strength as the democracy, the territorial integrity, and the unity of the country. They did it in 2020. And they did it in 2016. We monitored this thing. And we've had a lot of talk about former soldiers and so on and so forth. So the question is, did he think through this, the implication, the connotation? Or was it one of those emotional things that, you know, on the platform you see people chanting and you say, it's a very serious thing. It needs to be clear. So for me, um, I do not think from the Ministry of Agriculture, where he is now, um, he will be able to organize his men. Because, yes, there were men. There were men in in the old castle, <laughs> which used to be the seat of government before Jubilee uh, House. And we've got into all those things. He's not no more in the presidency as security minister or something. And so we also have to be measured in looking at uh, what he said and the gravitas of it. 
Uh, should it need us to run under our bed? Or should we be defiant in our civil responsibility and say, no, this is all what we make? Because elections is a decision making by the people. Just like a referendum. And you should obey our decision. Otherwise, if you have issues, go to court. President Kufour, you remember the 208 elections and the several rounds in determining the winner of the president. There were three rounds. But after the third round, when we were still not sure what is happening, President Kufour came in and said, hey, guys, I have a limited term. It's getting close. I'll hand over. If you have issues, and he was talking to his party predominantly, go to the uh, court. And the courts will deal with this matter. It ended the whole thing. Now that this statement has, uh, you know, uh, revived those fears or triggered probably another version of it because there is break eight and there is end eight and the third term we must have. Should they do it in the disrespectful of the electorate that gives it the mandate? Should they come and give us the policies they would pursue differently so that we get out of this economic crisis and IMF dependency for 54 out of our 66 years of independence? That's what the people want to know. Would they improve living conditions? And would our incomes go up? Good health care. These are the things we want to hear. The mm. people would then decide. If they then decide that, look, we saw you in the last eight years. Thank you for your service, but we'll try another one. That is fine. And, but this is not what it is about. So going forward then, how do we deal with this? I think that uh, in the past when people have made statements that threaten uh, our national unity of security, the police invites them. Uh, it happened to uh, Kennedy Japan. You remember uh, this statement about how uh, Asante's or Akans are being threatened. It was always the 20. I think the 2016 yeah. or 2012 election. He yeah. was invited. Yeah. Uh, so have we had... I, I think Koko Anyidoho was also invited at some point for Koko some statement. Anyidoho, he had to walk to the, to the headquarters. Yeah. We also heard of uh, Mr. Ampofo. Yeah. Ampofo. Who is actually has a case in court. So can the police show a fair hand? Freedom and justice. The crown they wear. That is what is on. Could they invite him? then we'll know whether, oh, this is something that we just said, or there is something. The rule of law requires that incendiary, subversive statements ought to be investigated. Okay. Now, now Doc, the other challenge is the MPP has come out to defend this. Now, the context is that this statement was made at a, a MPP Arise and Build Unity Walk at Impriaso, which had the General Secretary, Justin Kodia Frimpong, Majority Chief with Frank Anodompre, Eastern Regional Minister Seth Kwame Champong, and National Organizer Hirana Boachi. Now, during that program, the presumptive front-runner in the MPP flag bearership race, who is the vice president, also spoke. And incidentally, he said that MPP will break the eight in the, whatever, in the, in the governance cycle. But it, 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 it so, so my point is, the MPP as a party has come to defend this. And they are sort of trying to say, oh, it's like NDC uh, majoring on the minors and that there's nothing really in this that is incendiary. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think the president should do? Because I don't think he was at the rally. But based on the example you gave about the Kufour's time, would you say that this type of thing can be 
mollified if the president came out to make a specific comment about the issue of handing over and all of those things? Uh, it would be good because we look after the president and not necessarily the party. Is the president who is president of Ghana, father of the nation, uh, commander-in-chief of the armed forces. And um, these three things make put him in a special role to protect our democracy and Ghana. And I believe he believes in democracy. So it is for the president to not to stand with his party necessarily, but assure Ghanaians that he would make sure the elections are run well and that the results are respected. His term would end. Um, if he spoke, I think he will allay the fear because the statement by the party and the secretary generals and so on, uh, they are raising, they are questioning our democracy. And they are thinking force is what they must determine a leader, which is totally wrong. I don't think the president will subscribe to this. So I think it's good if he spoke and allay the fears and say, no, we'll go through the processes as it is. We have an electoral mm. commission. We have gone through this experience for 30 years. There are challenges, the economy, social development, whatever. But do we need violence and imposed rule by any party to tackle these problems? No, we ought to consolidate on our democracy and now look at the development challenges and how we're going about it. So uh, I think I would also say that we have um, how many years to the <laughs> How many months to the election? <laughs> we, we have a year and probably year and um, eight, eight months. months. Yeah. Yes, a year and twenty eight months. months. This will change, but it ought to be monitored. But the police should be active in confronting this. Are they disclosing that they want to stage a civilian coup? It ought to be investigated. And this is where you want to see the police that is an institution of the state. And, you know, is able to perform its functions that way. It might mean that, oh, look, a young trainee, you know, that they are. But, but they ought to act. And the president should. If the president spoke, and, and I think it would be a good thing if he did. But, but going beyond that, you see, uh, the idea that every election we should have this intimidation and threat of violence, 2008. 2012. 2016 was a bit different, although there were also risks. The army again issued a warning that if violence broke out in the country, they would intervene. And they would intervene to defend our democracy and so on. But any intervention is a coup. In fact, it will aggravate our situation. Look at West Africa now. We've seen the states where the army have come back. Ghana is under severe security risk, threat outside jihadists. Plus, those groups surrounding, countries surrounding us have all seen jihadists. And they want to penetrate. We have the armed forces fully focused on this. Are we going to distract them to look at party politics uh, kind of issues? And in that situation, how do they act? Mm. So we are putting our democracy at risk considerably by this statement. It's incendiary, ought to be condemned all round. Every single person, uh, or authority, chiefs, business people say, no, we don't want this. Let's speak out against it. Let us go through our processes and the rules and the procedure. Tell us what you want to do for Ghana in the next 
four and thirty years. And let us see whether yes, it will solve our problem, so we'll go with you. But the disrespect to the electorate, when the parties now threaten each other, we would also mobilize and there's going to be a fight. There's an ex general who says he's dreamt of war and so on. I mean, these are choices we can avoid. And I think we should all condemn it and speak louder. At the end of the day, the vote is our power. Mm. Because when it comes to using force to stay in power, then the competitor is the army or the armed forces. And they've issued their warning. It's there in mm. the papers. You'll find it. Yeah, but that's for that's for 2020. The 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 concern about 2024, and I, look, you've you've done elections over the years, so you've seen a lot of things. But the, the concern, I mean, last month or so, the army did something in Ashaman that many people thought the government ought to have condemned. We didn't hear condemnation. We had got an endorsement from the defense ministry and the deputy. There was no comment from the presidency, although it was captured that soldiers went in a, in a style which was completely extrajudiciary to go and round up people. In fact, the police issued a statement about their operations in Ashaiman, which exposed that the army, what they were doing, they were not doing it with the collaboration of any other security agency, all right? So you, you put that aside. Then there's a whole fear around, like people think the judiciary is being packed. There's a lot of comments about when the, the opposition lost the 2020 election and they lost the court case, which raised doubts about the way they see the judicial system, all right? Now, if you've spoken about the police themselves and the need for consistency. Now, democracies are established by institutions that are fair so if people who are part to an election feel like the judiciary the army or the police or whatever group is not necessarily being fair i mean that 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 is that is serious right and i'm just asking whether if you look at previous elections this is normal or we have reason to be concerned about this particular 2024 election we have reasons to be extremely concerned and especially us now uh, there's an action and reaction to the threat of violence or to, to disrespect the norm that you lose elections, you hand over, the people have decided. And if you say you are not going to respect it, but you're going to stay in, on in power, you are never going to hand over, then you are, you are imposing yourselves on us. <laughs> you see, so it could be rhetorical, but my position is this. Uh, we have been so focused on elections and the fear of violence, that we don't even want to attempt to bring about the reforms that has been debated for so long. Some of the reforms uh, has to be determined by the people in a referendum. And those kinds of reforms counter violence because once the people have decided right, their decisions are binding in a referendum on every government to implement for the changes that we need to occur. And so we should ask ourselves, is it the fear we have uh, that, that, that they are instilling in us that we must cow into subservience and accept? Or should we say that, look, we would go to the polls and vote? The president himself has spoken about his commitment to reforms. And he wants to bring back the, re, uh, the referendum and the, the reform of local government and so on and so forth, but a consensus ought to be built. Frankly speaking, from our analysis and observation, consensus has emerged in certain areas, but our minds are not on because we speak the language of uh, review. So what is it that can be done to counter this? What empowers the people 
I believe that we should also think about the things that if we did would even eradicate the threat. And that is where we ought to put pressure also on the president and also bring ourselves together to say, what, how do we change the system? We've been to the Supreme Court for a couple of months and reforms that the Supreme Court from 2012 to 2016 pushed. It gave us one of the best elections, 2026, in our history, in the Fourth Republic. You mean 2016? Yes. 2016. What was the threat of violence that came? They went to court. The court made decisions. The Supreme Court played a certain important role in steering us out of violence in 2016. Actually, when the uh, international observers came, the AU, uh, uh, ECOWAS, Commonwealth, static, and they were breached, that was the time that the Army, too, had issued a warning that if there's violence, and uh, it can't be controlled, they'll step in. That was the first time these kinds of warnings started coming. They engaged. There were reports made to this mission, and they engaged seriously. So it is not the first threat that we've had, but it's the behavior of two parties that we call dual police, whose wish to come to power or hang on to power overrides the best interests of the nation. And that we have also opportunity and a power to stop. Unless the president says, I'm no longer interested in going forward with the right. reform. Yeah, just just, by, just by the way. So, 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 so what I'm saying is that mm-hmm. uh, we, there are options or things to do to eradicate the fear. Mm. That we are. Yeah, I was, just, I was just giving a postscript on the president angle. Because you remember last week, the Codeo appealed to the president to reverse the appointment of two people considered to be MPP supporters or members to the Electoral Commission Board, which as of now, we have not had a response yet. And I was adding that to the whole list of concerns around institutions and an election. And you do know that for an election, the EC, the judiciary, the police, the army, very critical. So that, and again, the, 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 the view is that we in Ghana, we, we, we sort of, the institutions that seem to work are the ones that are more temporary. So for example, the Peace Council that was brought in, which you championed, or the forums that you help, you bring Otunfu and all these guys. It's almost like these, they are not even necessarily state institutions, constitutional bodies per se, but it's almost like some consensus arrangement emerges to help or force the state statutory bodies to actually do their work. And at least for the few elections I've monitored, that seems to be the trend. So you have a, a Codeo or a Peace Council or some national forum on peace building, almost all of which you are involved in somehow, coming in to calm I mean, should we not institutionalize these things rather? Because it looks like every election for the next few years, we're going to have this type of duopoly leading to struggle for resources and state capture. So the, 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 the arrangements that mitigate that competition must rather be institutionalized, or even we must put it in the constitution so that... It doesn't. So, what if Dr. Quit is not there? What if we don't have an Otun for, for a period, or whatever? Like these figures we use to try and get the politicians to do the right thing. We may not always have people like that, right? So, it may mean we need more institutionalized mechanisms of consensus rather than what we, we seem to have now. Okay, you have a point, but it's, it's the case that I'm also making that uh, anyway, these councils is institutionalized. There's a law back in it. It's a state agency. Its membership from 
various states and so on does not reduce its stateness. <laughs> and the fact that the states, uh, there's a law back in it. And usually we respect institutions backed by law. Civil society is not backed by law in what we do. Uh, 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 women's aglow prayers four years ahead of election. It's not backed by law. But it's their faith and citizenship that rules. So there are things we do. But if you want to know why violence keeps recurring, it's simple. Two parties have emerged as dual police. The institutional framework, so you're going to institutions and institutionalize it. The framework designed for our democracy did not anticipate this. It was more a question of, will the PNDC that became NDC stay in power for good? And would no one took it seriously that the MPP uh, would emerge within eight years? And then now we have two parties. This institutional framework was not designed to handle that. And so the only institution we had to deal with, with democracy was the Electoral Commission in terms of these processes of changing government and so on. So post-elections, the Electoral Commission is confined to elections, planning, execution, review, whatever. But non-electoral things like how they are behaving, the vigilante violence, and so on and so forth. It's not for them. And then you ask yourself, our political parties, don't we regulate our duopolis in the economy? Check the telcos. There was an attempt to even look at water, electricity, and all that. So the question is, when you have those who vie for the power of the state, and we give everything to them, they are now too. They are not regulated beyond elections. And they can do whatever they like. They can spend our money the way they like and so on. Nobody's bought a book and so on and so forth. Is this the system? Can't we do something about it? We can. Because political parties in Europe and America, there are regulatory institutions around them, especially with money. Where do you get your money? Have you accounted for it? So accountability is solid. In Europe, they have a framework where if you... Uh, a party every year is mandatory for you to present your policies and programs. And you do not have the power to take over the institutions of state. And instead, your, only your party people should be at when you are in power. So these institutions are there. And when you violate the law, they'll get you. After all, the, uh, the uh, legendary German Chancellor, Chancellor Kuhl, left office, resigned because of expenditures that he was alleged not to have uh, uh, declared fully. So there's regulation. Uh, Boris, Boris Johnson, you saw, they are still investigating him, and so on and so forth. So where are those structures in our system? Zero. And when we talk about the president is too powerful, uh, there's this concentration of power and so on, well, those are things you could deal with if you also put regulatory institutions in place. The state is not the president. Okay, the president is empowered to exercise the powers of the state, but he has a fixed term and he has limitations on his power. So we, we are quick to look at, oh, where is this person and so on? It's institutions that bring about development and sustain democracy. And those institutions cannot be controlled by parties. That's why we put forward the idea that if you have a regulatory institution for elections, you must have one for the post-election space and parties' behavior. For parties who have been always overthrown by military and authoritarian regimes, you, the cost to the nation is 
they never had a chance to develop their development capacity and do not only elections, but election empowers them to deliver development. They don't have. What do we do about it? Now, to cut it short, we then came out and said, look, a multi-party democracy commission, which is a state entity, not controlled by any party and by law, given certain powers, must engage in these processes with the parties and the institutions needed to make sure that the parties serve our interests best. Peace, stability, development, nation building, citizenship, and not this thing that has come out as some of the things that happened in the 50s between two ideological camps. And they have armed vigilantes. Where are the vigilantes? Who said they've disappeared? You know, so, so we've come to a point. 30 years is good. Uh, stability has come. But the majority youth, who are the voters, the women and so on, are saying this democracy is not serving our needs. That's what we should be thinking about. So that they do not give up. Because when they give up, our democracy, once the history of coups are always remain potent, and the lessons so, and they are a threat. So going forward, there are how we can deal with this monopolistic behavior that makes, represents, or portrays itself as the state. But the state is not the party. The party comes in only as an agent and has to operate within. So we need to look at the framework. And that is why, they, look, uh, CDDs, um, I keep referring to this, uh, post-election survey, uh, 2020 election survey, that they did, when they published the results, eh, there were two clear results that went above threshold. They were in the 70s. 71% of Ghanaians want to vote their, for their mayors, MMDCs. They don't want, they want it to be a non-party-based election. But in the same survey, 78%, a higher number, said the local government system is not working. The question is, both have met a threshold, over 70. After all, we have 75, which says, if you are going to do a referendum, 75, uh, 40% turn out and 75% yes. So just look at the two. So they've defined it. But it's not for them to sort out the technical details of going forward with this. And we are saying that it begins with looking at the executive arm of government, especially, not just the presidency, local government that is not functioning, 78%. How do we reform it? And right. in that reform, parties will be affected. Mm. And the regulatory framework will be put in place. And it can be done before the elections to take out the sphere of violence. The people must be confident that their vote gives them the power to make decisions. Will the president open that space? He talks to civil society several times and he says, yes, show me the consensus and I'll take the step. So instead of wallowing ourselves in fear and going to the police and so on, we should also see how democracy empowers us with ideas and so on to effect change. What can we go forward with that will change the situation ahead of the 2024 election? Thank you very I much. I think that is the question we must also engage on. And we are happy to work, collaborate with you on this. If you can A- amazing. Definitely. Aseva, thank you, Dr. Emanuel Akwete, Executive Director, IDEG, Institute of Democratic Governance, speaking on this issue. Brian Champon's uh, speech or comments over the weekend at Impriaso, roundly condemned by many. Deservedly so, 836. Comments welcome, 054-998-6996. I think you gave me an insight on Thursday, or was it Wednesday, that I thought, I I think you said that 
a lot of times when politicians speak, they are not speaking to me or you. They are speaking to their followers. Mm. And therefore, I should interpret the things they say through those lenses. Granted that, but the fact that you are speaking to your followers does not mean you can say anything. <laughs> so I, I want to separate the, log- the, the... What you said is true, mm-hmm. that sometimes when they speak, they are speaking to their, their base. Mm-hmm. But even speaking to your base, this is completely unacceptable. Yes, but and then the MPP now coming to sort of defend it to say he said nothing wrong and that they, will, they are committed to peaceful elections. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's showing that the party is weak, because you have to say unless I'm I'm misunderstood, the party will say look, this is not what the MPP represents, and therefore what Mister Champon said does not represent. I said it on our platform. Mm-hmm. You should retract it. Then we move forward. But they come and they do the ritual. No, we support. It's not true. You are the ones. It's NDC. You are the police. You are hysteria. <laughs> so it's like they are blaming right-thinking people who say this is unacceptable by making us feel like well did i listen to this fully but i just played this in twice in fact when i played the second time some people are like why are you playing it so many times i'm like why shouldn't i play it he said it in public okay so i'm not even sure whether we are talking about the same speech for which mpp now comes out to to, to defend this you know and i'm sure you're asking why am i surprised <laughs> oh, no. did, did he say this to resounding booze they were shouting they were cheering and he was being egged on. We saw, you've seen the video. When, 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 when you see the video, the guys around you were not even listening to him. The, the guys the behind The hype him. guys. No, no. The, the, the executives on the mm-hmm. desk were chatting. Mm. I think they just gave me a chat. It's just fire. Yeah, so fire. when the thing started heating up before they started paying attention, by which time he had done all the damage already. It's normal for them. You see, Bernard, let me, let me wrap this up quickly for you based on our conversation from last week. You know... And my my theory that the, we've reached a, a place in our democracy where, at the moment, the, the responses you've heard. Mm-hmm. So, NDC should a statement about this. Yeah. Right? Two-pager. Two-pager. MPP responds and says, hey, he said nothing wrong. So, they are doing their thing. In the middle there, you've had... Uh, IDEC issue statements. You've had Dr. Nyahutamaklo come out and say something. You've had a few independent people say yeah. um, that what he said was wrong. Yeah. But bottom line, how will Brian understand that what he said was wrong? He's going to look at the louder voice. Who are the, his people? Yes, who are his people? You see, the danger that nobody wants to address is, and which is something that we've been faced even with the position of leadership in this country, finance minister, whatever, is the state of where we live. Mm-hmm. You see, in the realms of the MPP and the NDC, Dr. Kwete does not exist. Mm-hmm. Yabu does not exist. Bernard Avle does not exist. John Mahama exists. Ketia mm-hmm. exists. <laughs> Justin Frimpong Kudia exists. So your thoughts on the economy are not relevant. Mm. The sorts of Justin Fripon could on the economy is what holds sway. Mm. A CEDU Ketia's repost on the economy is what we will challenge. So they, they are dealing with themselves. They, they are speaking above your head until that space in the middle gets broader. You see, because reasonably, that's why I asked you, he spoke to loud cheer mm-hmm. and he kept at it. Okay, mm-hmm. because one, let us not be deceived that the person who is speaking does not have an understanding of the audience he was addressing. He has a very clear understanding of it. He knew what they, they have this figured out. 
Okay. So until we we get our democracy to the point where institutions and the politicians themselves, the actors themselves know that I can say this and I cannot say this because if I say this, mm-hmm. the police might call me. So then it goes to the next question of the, the institutions, institutions which can then deal with this. Deal with this. Mm. Because at the moment, we have also not reached the point where the institutions are independent of these two systems. Mm. Enough mm. to actually play mm. a firm role mm. in keeping discipline. Mm-hmm. You understand? So he will say this knowing that there is no way anybody from somewhere is going to call him outside of Dr. Nyahotamaklo outside of Dr. Akwiti, <laughs> outside of Bernard Avler, who pra- clearly, probably Kwame Pionim or a few who other clearly do, they do not regard. Are you, you saying see? that the police will not dare to call him? What would be the basis? Consistency, because they they, they invited uh, Koku Anidoho when he said some things. Uh, Dr. Akwiti gave us a list of people they invited for uh-huh. saying things which are not even as serious as this. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, even in Kumasi, some mm-hmm. NDC guy said something recently Mm-hmm. And he was he was he was arrested. In mm-hmm. fact, he was supposed to go to court, right? It's like some junior-ranking NDC communicator said something. Yeah. So if the, the one who said violence, violence, violence. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if the if the, if if the police is being, I mean, I could, I could explain it very clearly. You, yes. you said two things. The constitution is very clear. You will hand over power if you lose if to you whichever party. party. Yes. And then you cannot say that you use any means. Because mm-hmm. there are there are there are means legal and there are means which are illegal. Mm-hmm. So some means are subversive to the constitution. Mm-hmm. So if the police is listening, the police can say, "Look, you have to come and explain." And as he said, there are people like the former chairman of the NDC who have made statements which are even in camera, mm-hmm. leak tapes and things which are now being used yeah, as yes, a basis yes. for prosecution. Yeah, yeah. And this some this somebody comes openly mm-hmm. to make statements which could suggest that he is not going to abide by the constitution. But the re- you cannot tell me that the police should not be interested. You ask, okay, Mr. Achempo. Come and tell us what you actually meant by what you said. Mm-hmm. He should be invited. Kenny Japon said something about mm-hmm. some group of people. He was invited. Mm-hmm. You see, so the consistency of institutions is what mm-hmm. people are asking for. Which, which, which is the point I am making that until the two sides come to understand that there is that consistency, mm. you will get <laughs> these incidents happening. Mm. Because the stronger one will know that most often than not, mm-hmm. based on who says it, you get away with it. Point two for me. Mm. This was affirmation day for Brian Achampo. Affirmation day? Oh, yes. Meaning what? Of his growing status within the MPP. It's, let's not beat about the bush as if we do not know who Brian is within the MPP silently. He is the main man in that in that neck of the woods. You mean in the <laughs> eastern region? In the eastern region for the MPP. And he's done it very quietly. In the past five or six years that he's been actively engaged, have you heard Brian Achampo talk before? Not really, apart from the you know, also, uh, yes, where you interviewed where, where him and you did, got into trouble. Yeah, there was also one gone. Yes, have you no, but I'm saying on political platforms, yeah, he, he does not do political platform yeah, talk, he doesn't do that much. You understand, but he's also gone through a process where the party felt that the, the government felt that he was actively plotting against it. Mm. Out of that, minister appointment came. Mm. Then we come to your neck of the woods. So you are the largest gathering. You are even bringing the appointment into the focus of this. Put, put, so, so like the, you are not saying he was appointed on the basis of say we need somebody to replace Doctor Free necessarily. Maybe that, but in addition, this guy could be if not brought in, could mm-hmm. be could be potentially problematic for us. Oh, of course. And therefore, we should bring him in. Yes, and I'm just saying that on that day, where you have all those people 
of like thinking yeah. gathered there in his neck of the woods, in yeah, the part yeah, of the yeah. country so where this is, this is he, is, yeah, he is the most powerful yes, yes. It's politician. The, so this is in price. So in, next door neighbor. Next door neighbor. In yeah. the part of the country where he is the most powerful. Yeah. He gets a microphone and this, talk, is, what and this is what he decides to say. Okay, so in doing that, he's telling you that this is... I, I am ready to play the game mm. and say the right things politically as we see in this country. Which is sad for me, yeah. considering the fact that he had done really well for himself as a politician without actually getting into, this kind into of these kinds of things. But it has also reached the point where he might need to publicly declare himself as a, I'm, uh, I'm a typical politician. I, 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 I am in the I am in the I, I am not like I am not unlike others. The other question though is the party organized this event and the vice president who was there. Yes. And then he spoke about break the age. So mm. was this also some sort of tacit we will not let Baumia lose type of thing they were doing. Oh, because the, the president was <laughs> in, in, interesting. The president was at Abitifi mm-hmm. to commission the Stone Age Park, but he does not also some police. Yeah, but, yes, yeah, but he didn't police, go through the rally. No, 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 he did not. So the, so in a sense this also like Because if the president had been there, it would be read as an endorsement of what was happening. Mm, so, so his absence there was deliberate. These things are never random. So so, but does that does that reduce the weight of what happened? No, it does no, not it reduce doesn't. the weight. But the point I am trying to make to you is, if we do not grow the democracy quickly, which is the disappointment I keep expressing to you, mm. that the democracy is not it's, Brian, it's, it's aging, but it's, it's not maturing. It's not, it's not maturing. It's thirty, but yes, Brian, it's not. We will have a lot more of these statements. You see, because this morning, yeah, I've seen the new narrative that is defending this. Yeah, so there are videos of. Uh, that of stitched videos of John Mahama, yeah. and it is clear they have been stitched. So, yeah. so, no, so nobody should tell me that I should say allegedly. Mm-hmm. I'm experienced are, enough are, to see a stitched video. So they are they are sort of piecing they piece it together. Things yes, together. I, I, I have done media and editing for and, twenty and, years. And they are sharing it. I can tell a so, clipped video when I see it. So to equalize. Yes. So this person says this. So now it is being framed that Brian's statement there is a reaction to it's a reaction to, to several taunts by Mahama on the campaign ground. And so they are saying that, well, if this is what the NDC has been saying, well, we will meet you boot for boot because this is what we've been saying. And I will tell you this, Bernard, to your disappointment, the hardcore, they are happy about this. Wow. You see, that five million that I spoke to you about last week, very happy about this. Wow. Because it matters to them. It matters to them. Yeah. But do they not see that this can undermine our democracy and lead us see, in, down the path it, of having it, down the path that we are seeing? Other, I mean, the context: West Africa is really in trouble. We are the we are we are possibly the only, and I'm not even sure we are that serious. But at least we are we are the only hope. <laughs> if you if you look at serious, because you see, a lot of the West African countries, their democracies in terms of electoral democracy, institutions, voting, Ghana did something ma- ma- fantastic in 2009 mm-hmm. right where the so first the 2000 election yes, sir. where the ndc handed over to the mpp and in 2009 when the mpp handed over back to the ndc and in 2016 so ghana has done something that a lot of countries have not been able to do in generations like yes. if you are born in gabon you are talking about your francophone students and nathan or in even in uganda oh yeah like there are many there are, the countries that have experienced what you've experienced you can count them on your finger not that many yeah. right so you would have thought that with that level of experience our political class should know that elections are not even doing that because if i'm doing elections in uganda mm-hmm. against ua museveni mm-hmm. 
and I have a chance, a fighting chance. I could say it's the do or die. But in Ghana, you have elections that have proven that they are always close and it's possible to change. So why should why should politicians be rather getting worse? Let me you if if you are in Togo or somewhere where there's no hope for change, then you can be doing such things. But you are in a country where you have you have seen successful changes in government which should let you even know that there's no need for this type of rhetoric. Let me tell you something. So why do they actually keep doing it? Let me it? tell you something. If you read um, the recent Afrobarometer, they did the Democracy Watch in West Africa. They didn't touch Ghana. Mm-hmm. They did Sierra Leone, mm. uh, Liberia, and one other country. I escaped my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Josephine, please help Sierra me. Sierra Leone, Liberia. One other country. Okay. And looked at what democracy means and mm-hmm. basically came to the conclusion that there was a decline. But even more importantly for me, mm-hmm. okay, as a student of mm-hmm. these things, the things that separate our political enemies, mm-hmm. uh, like political opponents, enemies is a poor word yeah. to use, mm-hmm. political opponents in those countries are not the things that separate our political opponents. If, let me be honest with you, the mm-hmm. MPP and NDC have a lot in common. Oh, yes. Yao Graham said it eloquently on Thursday. Yes, they have a lot in common. Yes. Even so, on economic policy. The kind of... Yeah. Animosity that exists between opposition politicians in Sierra Leone, mm. in Liberia, in maybe Guinea, mm. or other contemporary countries is not the same level of animosity that exists. Okay. Do you think that John Mahama is yeah. ever going to order a Kufadu to be jailed for something? Do you think vice versa so you think there's some elite consensus there 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 is complete elite consensus you see they disagree on a lot of things Mm. but they also agree on a lot of things (laughs) now the political the the, the political duel between them is not so much steeped in the kind of animosity we have seen in other places Mm. where this one is looking to jail this one immediately yeah So, so it makes even the quality of transitions difficult. So your point is that even though there's a lot of dislike and competition, there are still some rules around it that are silent. That that both of them, that all these groups obey. And it works for them because of business. But are those rules enough to keep us safe? Because you see, when you, will, when you, when you keep hearing such comments, you see, I, I get you when you say there's an elite consensus and I see it from the economic side. I see that more clearly on economics, not on the politics. But on the politics, my, my concern is, are these rules steeped enough to say, oh, don't worry. Not, you see, because some people say, oh, don't worry, nothing will happen. We've seen it before. Every election is like that. Every election is do and die. So we shouldn't... Because I feel like when, you're, when you have 30 years of a, a constitution, certain statements should be, become obsolete. Yes. But it's actually gaining... And, and, and again, I don't know if in 96 or 2000, somebody said this, their party will come out and defend them as roundly as they are. So it seems to me as if the quality of even the leadership of the parties is down so that mm-hmm. if, if there was a certain level of consensus among the elite in 96 or 2000 or 2004, I, I have the sense that right now the foot soldiers are the ones who drive thinking in the parties. Mm-hmm. So, so long as the foot soldiers like it, mm-hmm. You get me? They will go for it. So that elite consensus that you talk about, and if you look at the level of, like, some of the cases, like Atu uh, Forsen, he has a court case and things. A lot of the animosity in the opposition party among the rank and file about what the MPP has done, that elite consensus may not last. It may not even stand the test of another electoral cycle because these people at the bottom of the base, they feel empowered. They are the guys who decide who wins. They can rage. They can even decide that. So for that reason, the general secretary of a party is in parliament doing roll call of who voted for this type of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you get me? And then you have a lot of talking heads who are also feeding the people with a lot of information that is leading to 
anger. Mm-hmm. So my point is, yes, there could be elite consensus at the very highest level, but the fact that they would not condemn such a statement from the MPP should tell you that the but the tail is wagging the dog, right? No. So the people at the bottom, so like the people at the top, they are looking at instead of leading, they are like, okay, Charlie, what would the food soldiers say? If I come out as general secretary or chairman and say what Brian Shambon said is wrong, you'll say, ah, Charlie, this guy's a weak general secretary. So let's close the ranks and let's support him because it will make him popular with the food soldiers. Why is it that when you go to uh, political rallies, I'll tell you this when I go and cover MPP and DC events. When you go to the MPP side, I was at Cape Coast. We have boots for media. Nathan, the <laughs> boots that has um, Kennedy Japan and um, the Kumasi guy, what's his name? One to me. Well, yeah. Charlie? The party supporters cut that round. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's a football match going on. So there's a there's a, a program in the assembly hall. Though. Then you see like 200 people surrounding some place because one to me is on air. The Kennedy point is on air. NDC the same. There are some people when they go. So like when you set up your booth and you invite the guy to come and speak, you, then people go and surround people, it. Yeah, people Do you get me? Take, so yeah. I am saying that the, the 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 leadership is failing even within the parties, particularly in the MPP in this case. And you are hearing more endorsement of what the foot soldiers want because 20 years ago i'm not sure if darocha were there or all these guys at the highest level people do they will condone such statements openly even so, if they don't condone for example they will not they may keep quiet but to, for the party to even come out and say that there's nothing wrong with it so i am saying your elite consensus theory may be true mm-hmm. but because of the growing influence of the the lower people in terms of the base Mm-hmm. in winning and whipping up electoral support for both parties that pact could is tenuous at best it is not let me disagree completely with you on that because the current state of our politics is purely transactional mm. the base that you are talking about lack resources mm-hmm. what resources are they going to use to do you see because there are numbers no you see because our, our politics is not heavy on ideology at all so the point you are making would be accurate if that group you are talking about are heavy on what the party stands for. And so the grassroots say that for us, whatever it is you say, this is what, what we stand for mm-hmm. goes beyond material things. Mm-hmm. It is the culture of the party, the tradition of the party, the ideology of the party. Mm-hmm. But the base, as we have come to see it, is largely dominated by who has the most resources to spend mm-hmm. on that base and who can organize that that base at what point mm. that is why you would you, you talk about um the persons who in 96 or 97 look at who controls the base now mm-hmm. you, you mentioned names we, yeah i i don't want to sound i don't want to sound disparaging I, I, I'll, I'll tell you something the latest um global info analytics poll that they did for the mpp is showing the increasing influence of kennedy japan so Mm-hmm. You know, if for the, for the, like six months ago, it was Baumia, then Alan, and then everybody else. Yes. Then it became Baumia, Alan, and then Kennedy, Japan, and the rest. Mm-hmm. Now it's become very clear: it's Baumia, Alan, Kennedy. Kennedy yeah. Right. Yeah. So in the past like three months, you've mm-hmm. seen Kennedy eat into, and again, this is global info analytics poll. Yeah. Eat into Baumia and and Alan. Yeah. Right. And that is the base, because they are talking to party supporters. All right. So and he, what so, does he control? Okay, the last a the, lot the, of resources. Yes, so that's what I'm saying. That so, it's it's a chicken and egg. So if the if if you are fighting for the hearts and minds of the base, mm-hmm. and the base 
are only there because of the numbers they have most of them then most of them then what i'm saying is that the people at the top when they make decisions and when they give speeches are trying to lure the base Mm-hmm. And they're not trying to lure the base with ideas. They're trying to lure the base with raw emotions. emotions. So, yes. so my argument is that because our elections have become plutocracies, in the yes. sense that it's who has money, who can control, mm-hmm. that's why you're having institutions being weakened yes. and you're having this type of rhetoric growing yes. within and an era where you are expecting the democracy to improve. And that is the danger that I think they do not see in the sense that it might get to the point where a day will come the base might act based on that emotion. That's the point. And get injured. That's the point. You and understand? then the top who claim they who, have and consensus, who they, they don't even know what they, they are doing. They don't know because sometimes I'll tell you this. That is the danger. I'll tell you something. When I go for when I go for a party rallies as a journalist, mm-hmm. you go and you meet party executives. Oh, Charlie, uh, Aloski, what they happen? City, everything. Some of the foot soldiers will just be insulting you. Because of the information they are being fed on both sides, mm-hmm. right? So you meet the party leadership, then they understand that you are doing your work, right? So they say, Oh, Mario Sanda, Charlie, you are a difficult journalist, whatever. He will, then there's some of the food soldiers on some they say, Are ah, you this guy? You are a foolish guy. You're always uh, interviewing our people and asking them foolish questions. So you see, there, there's a disconnect between what the party projects to the outer world and the middle classes and what they tell their base. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is true because if the base gets whipped up enough, Mm. They will do things that the party will not be proud of. They can't even control. Can't, uh-huh. yeah. And I use my example of when I when you go to a rally and you are speaking to, and this is long, when you go, the, the people in the party who you work with on phone and things, they will say, oh, Charlie, you are tough on us. But they take it as fair game. But their supporters don't see it like that. Mm. It's like, you this guy, Charlie, you are an agenda guy. We'll finish you. Yeah. So if you keep feeding your people with such things, and which is why I'm worried that for all our stellar qualities in terms of Yes, there's a lot of money in politics. Plutocracy, they call it. Monocracy at West. But at least we have come with an arrangement that changes governments mm-hmm. through elections. Why should that one, that the last thing we have, that one too, they want to take it away? Because that's the only thing that differentiates us from the others. Because in terms of whether the, the government even does what we want, whether they are efficient in managing our resources, they, they are not. At least we have an opportunity. Yes, the only thing that you can say we have that the others don't have is that when we go to elections, there's a chance that the government can lose. Mm. And they, they've been, and certain presidents have lost, parties have lost. lost. Now, if this type of rhetoric and this type of indication comes from a sitting government, it, 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 it for me, it threatens the only thing Ghanaians have. Because yeah, but, the, Ghanians, the only thing Ghanaians have is ability to change government. Yes, but that's. Through the ballot box. But, but that is also being eroded because, again, un- unless we are pretending not to see what is happening, from where I sit, there is a very active point by the bigger parties to try and control the quality of elections in the negative or the positive whichever way but most of most of them are working towards improving their odds Mm. you understand so you will have elections but the quality of the elections will be doubtful and that is you see Mm. we we are not there yet but I can, from where I sit, actively see. But you, if you ask some people, it's being worked. Some, some people say that actually our elections have improved in terms of the the system that you used to even identify voters from '92 progressively, from wooden ballot box to transparent ballot box to thumbprint voter ID to picture ID. <laughs> Do you get me? So in a linear way, you can say that there's incremental improvement there. Uh. Again, you've had court cases. The court case in in 2012 
was much more you can say was much more serious than the court case in 2020 in terms of the length of the case and how on edge people were like a lot of people were not sure what happened after the 2012 case you covered that the whole year 2020 wasn't like that people knew that it was more like administrative Mm. so my point is that even though institutions are being eroded you can make an argument that the, the elections are getting closer the smaller parties are reducing in influence but generally the elections are are not that bad the past the past six years how many issues have we had uh chairpersons yes two oh, is it not two years charlotte yes. say two yes yes two afrajan was there for almost 15 20 years the past week and a half what conversation have we been having you see those who have been appointed, appointed by the president, by the on president the to, to be is it clear it? that these persons should not be there I mean, for in, for good reason. Why should you put, appoint somebody who has clearly political bias on an on an election monitoring body? So there's no it's but, very clear. But you've heard the clear justification for it, and it, has it happened or not? It has. So you are saying that my claim that elections are improving is actually not true. I no. I am just telling you that both sides or the the political class. Let mm-hmm. me put that because who knows a time might come the pnc will grow again or the cpp will grow again so i i, I tend not to want to restrict we these so. conversations to just mpp ndc we pray but so. what i see is the parties are working assiduously at improving their odds so not improving the system no at improving their odds i'm, oh. I'm being very very specific uh, so, what I'm so, saying. so instead of improving the system for all of us they are trying to game the system to their advantage. They have, and that's what the MPP NDC. If the country were run the way they those run, two parties run themselves, Ghana will be like Vietnam by now. <laughs> I'm telling you, they are the two most efficient political institutions no, no. in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are political organizations. Pol- yes, political organizations. Not political ideas. Just political organizations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are the two most efficient organizations in this country, bar none. <laughs> Look, when they, they sit down, they plan. They have short-term plans, medium-term plans, long-term plans. They know how to raise money. They know like how to do propaganda. They know how to organize. They know how to organize. Their use of data is brilliant. They know how to use access on, technology. On the voting side. On the voting side. They know what to do. But when, when it comes to governance. When it comes to governance, it's a different matter. Let the people do what they want to do. Okay? So, I, yeah. I, I, my concern has to do with the fact that if we are not careful, yeah. we are moving towards longer-term elections, yes, but the quality of the elections will decline. Mm. Okay, mm. based on the fact that the politicians have reached the point where they know that we can say A, B, C, D, we control the resources, which is why there's such a big fight over control of resources. Mm. Because whoever controls the resources controls, controls the, the masses. Yeah, so it controls the party. So the, the election is now who has more money. More money. And who can control more people. Yes. What do you bring to the table? To the table. So it means that when they even win, whoever comes to the minister job, you have to be either somebody who brought money or a vassal of somebody who has some resources yes it has, it has it has nothing to do with quality so big men and small boys in politics revisited yes other, other than that how let me, let me give you a typical example just to wrap this up how mm-hmm. do you have a sitting mp in one region mm-hmm. plotting to contest the next election in another region sitting mp it, well, it doesn't happen no, but yeah. what kind of politics is that then <laughs> yeah. you are sitting mp in adabraka yeah but the next election, you you want, to, you want to go and contest in Osu, in Osu. No, no, even in a no. Okay, in in, in, in Bantama. It's not like you've been out for two years. Or so you've lost. Back to back, simply because okay, I'm no longer popular here, but I have been able to put resources together 
in this place. So, so I about, am going so there. It's about resources. It's about, it's about resources. About the representation. Because other than that, it should be very difficult to do. Then you are, you are saying we are doomed. That basically our policies is controlled by people who have money. And there's nothing yeah, but, else. There's no but, ideas, but, nothing. But, but, but Anavle, I don't know why you are pretending as if you, you sound. I say you are pretending. You sound as if I have removed <laughs> some veil from your eyes. <laughs> I have asked you this question severally. We, we 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 live in in the world of the political elite. They are the wealthiest. Wow. They are the wealthiest. Well, if you ask every any why why if you ask somebody what they want to do in life in Ghana now, nobody wants to be a doctor or something. Everybody wants to be a politician. Oh, are you sure? And everybody wants to be a politician because you what what the objective is if you become a politician you skip the difficulties that everybody lives with mm. and you get straight that is what we are looking for so Bernard, so, so Nathan, are you, are you, are you, Bernard Champo has said what he wants to say mm. but <laughs> we go on are you that person are you that pessimistic that one that the system is gained it's getting worse that's what he's yes saying. you know I I, the, the, I used to think that things would get better until I read the reports on the cost of elections. Mm. I think that's when really I came to the realization that mm. it was for those with deeper pockets, fatter wallets, and heavy bank accounts. Because mm. even look at what the parties do in selecting who gets to contest the primary. It's an issue of, oh, this guy's popular. He has more money. He funded us. So let's give him a chance to go to parliament. Listen to the MPs. We criticize the MPs, but listen to the leadership of parliament. Talk about the quality of debate even on the floor. And if you trace it, it goes back to the fact that somebody got into parliament because he just had money and he could win the primary and he's there. Wow. You know, so I, I get really, really concerned. And, mm. and I don't know. I wonder when we'll hit a block for us to make a U-turn. But hmm. it looks like yeah. it, it just it looks just as though yeah. things won't get better. Those yeah. who have the money will get into those positions where yeah. they will be closer to winning a ticket to parliament. Mm -hmm. And by extension getting to sit in the corridors of power and determine determines what happens to you know you and me wow. but avoidance of doubt what Bernie champon said is completely unacceptable it, it must is. be roundly it condemned and i think the mpp's attempt to defend it is is, is disingenuous at, at best disgraceful at worst the, what they ought to and do is to say this is not what our party represents this is not the kind of statement we expect from a leader of uh, a constituency an yes. mp and a minister and this is not yeah. what and represents us <laughs> instead of trying to change and, it into yeah, an and, 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 and for me I'm even more concerned about the point Godfrey made that mm. all of a sudden the new narrative that's popular oh these people too are saying listen yeah, so look, like, yeah. why do we want to even play this game that's the game they play it's called equalization <laughs> I don't get so so like what so I do bad this guy did worse so what so what I did was fine I don't know well it's uh, seven minutes past nine city breakfast show alive in Accra lots of comments on this uh, we just uh, taking some quick adverts before we come back in later in the morning so one of the fears I expressed about the way the media works in Ghana is the fact that you know you know there's a I'll say something Godfrey, finally there's a myth to the point that we determine what we talk about there's a limit to what you can do so for example yeah. for Thursday I go and moderate a brilliant event Yar Graham gives a, a wonderful, wonderful Ooh, yeah. lecture nuanced very thoughtful puts the NDC MPP in their place gives us a sort of roadmap for transformation right it didn't get that much coverage over the weekend alright of course it sounded a bit like academic point so it was live on City TV <laughs> which is good right we gave it three hours TV 5 to 8 p.m. we did our part all right then I go to picnic 
So Saturday, Saturday, I go somewhere and I start with mm. oh, so, hey Charlie. Then by by yesterday, by yesterday when I got to, I went to a picnic. Hey, not by the temple. What's he saying? By the temple. So it's almost like <laughs> people have been primed for a discussion on by the temple, mm. right? So whereas I was like Charlie on Tuesday when I come back, I'm going to take that Yagraham and deal and deal with it one by one. That he said. It's like, oh, the agenda has been set for you already because mm. he's going to say something that we have to react to. And you know, it's it's a problem for me because what he said has to be dealt with and condemned. I agree. But why why does he why does why why is he even like doesn't he get that where we are in the world? This is like we have so many issues, we have so many problems, <laughs> right? We have so many challenges as a country to deal with. And then we have a major platform, and then you go and say this. Right, and then but he the, organized the platform, and then the media also somehow. I don't know what to say. Like it's like you you have to. I don't know. It's like we we are we are we are we are trying to advance the conversation, but we keep being pulled back. Do you get my point? It's like we are trying to be, discuss ideas. How do we transform the economy? What should we do to break this duopoly? How do we get our leaders to do what we want? All of this. But it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So it's like, oh, let's go back. Ah, NDC. Now, as you said, they've gone to take some NDC ones and they're also adding it and saying they've said this. So it's like all the media, most of the media in the country this morning, <laughs> it will be about whether NDC has said it in the past. And it's, you know, and it's frustrating because, you, I don't know. It's, it, it's not like, it's like we, we, are the, we are our own worst enemies, right? The, the, if you look at things from a global context, where the world is, the competition for resources, and the fact that we have no place in the world, and then our leaders are conspiring to keep us down with this type of tomfoolery. I mean, it's <laughs> I, I, it, I don't know. It's, maybe you should read some comments. Yes, it, it's it's very 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 sad for me, honestly. That 2023, that you think that Charlie Ghana will wake up and move forward, no? Looking at our context, Charlie, where Charlie, yeah, you are the IMF boss is actually begging on your behalf. Ghana, Ghana beyond aid to. Ghana begging for aid. That's what you are. What's today's day? Ghana. I mean, if it, eleven. If, if you think about it, we said we we're Ghana beyond aid. Now we are begging mm-hmm. because we are begging. President says, Charlie, we beg. Give us the deal. Now IMF is even begging. <laughs> oh, our, today's Ch- Tuesday. Charlie. By Friday, and you are very. You know more about these things. You you say we'll get it. Mm-hmm. No, the money they will get. Yeah, it. So if we get it by Friday, <laughs> wait for the statement that will follow it from this side of the divide. The statement doesn't even come out when they are using it to say they are breaking the eighth. The president of that organization is on her knees Charlie. telling the people you are going to meet this and now they would hear, would hear politics. <laughs> I beg you, save these people. It means that you watch it, 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 it also means that <laughs> you watch it, it also suggests that the IMF deal <laughs> will not save us. It will provide temporarily political reprieve. Reprieve. Yes questionable economic transformation even the so-called macroeconomic stability that it will bring will probably in my view just give this government the impetus to spend more in 2024 <laughs> to try and win the election by by profligacy that's what will happen so that's why you've gone that's why you've gone there 17 times which is what graham was talking about which is why we have to talk about it but which is what we have been prevented from talking about because somehow the politicians and particularly what mr champon did I mean, what is why? Let me annoy you, small. Just, just so that you know, just the politics we like it, man. That's why we are do not. Know, that's why we are not growing. Do you know when Chris Hutton's contract date is? Chris, why, why Chris Hutton, the Black Stars coach? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Do you, do you know when his contract is? 
transfer ends in December 2024. <laughs> you think about was it. That, was that his making or the GFA's making? <laughs> he wasn't appointed by he wasn't the, 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 So what are you trying to say? <laughs> you think about it and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm just telling you that such is the state of how we measure things by so, elections. In so after elections, everything is new. I'm telling you. <laughs> the elections, <that's, laughs> that is how the death to yes, but, but the elections matter. But why are they borrowing and asking us to pay after elections? <laughs> if, if that were to be true, why are we due to pay our next Eurobond tranche in the first quarter of 2025? So when no, it's, no, when, that when, one is different. When you suit them, there yeah, everything has to be regime specific. But when it comes to debt, <laughs> no, now they will pay. pay. You will pay. All right, a few quick announcements. Yes, Standard Water has 25 years of experience. Uh, They've been providing quality and refreshing water to quench your thirst. They are in 11 regions, and they are still providing water for everybody. They've got sachet water, bottled water, dispenser-mounted jar water, and customized water for your parties and other special occasions. Call Standard Water on 0202-055703 or 0547-334385, and this ad is FDA-approved. Now, the College uh, Educational Services is a test prep center with practical experience providing excellent tuition services for students, health professionals, and general immigrants preparing to sit for those various English proficiency tests, IELTS, OET, TOEFL, UKVI, PTE, Praxis, and SAT. Our means of delivery are in-person and online training, and they include regular, intensive, and special classes for candidates with critical needs. They also have private home tuition services. Call them on 0200-397-955 or send a WhatsApp message to 0243-614-654 for further inquiry or find them near the Wisconsin University College, North Ligon. These are the sponsored by Vodafone Business further together and on the downside of life if you lose a loved one speak to the Lashibi Funeral Homes and Crematorium they've been doing this for 21 years and they'll give you the best private end-to-end funeral service in the country call them on 0509-542-409 or send an email info at lashibifunerahomes.com or visit their website lashibifunerahomes.com for more info Lashibi Funeral Homes and Crematorium dignity for the deceased comfort for the bereaved a few quick comments on the statements made <laughs> yep uh, dr bano says i agree with godfrey solid arguments and analysis the mpp and ndc are more efficient than ghana <laughs> babati says please elite consensus is completely out of point what is holding Ghanaians is the peace and blood of our forefathers <laughs> if elite consensus is what is working the Ayawaso issue wouldn't have happened. Well. See, <laughs> Godfrey has said it all. Mm-hmm. The career path of interest now is politicians for the youth. When the late President Mills rewarded young men without um, polit- young men without work experience with political portfolios, a lot of the MPP youth defected to the NDC. MPP responded with Sami Wuku and Co. and the politics of grab and hoard. Uh, for elections, okay, that's Kojo from Adentan. Hmm. Uh, Kay says the elite consensus is that both of them cannot solve all of Ghana's problems, but they can solve their party problems mm-hmm. and family problems. All right. That's the issue. Listen, I think the comments from Honorable Barney Champon are repulsive and irresponsible in its totality. At a time when the economy is in shambles and people are struggling, we have a public servant who is paid by taxpayers spew such reckless statements and endorse violence in the open. But unfortunately, we have the MPP as an elite party endorsing the statement 
with needless energy. In any serious democracy, the police and other investigative organizations must pick him up for serious interrogation, given his previous portfolios in the highly sensitive National Security Ministry and an ex-army officer. He must have reasons he was so confident mm. in his utterances. That's coming from citizen Sikatogo from mm. East Ligon. Charles from Tema says, Every time a reckless statement is made or violence is enacted on a citizen, the president has never spoken. So I don't know why you continue to call on him to make statements on such matters. Isn't it, isn't it clear that the guy just wanted to be president? Hmm. I see. Um, these are African politicians. I sometimes wonder if they have spouses or men of God who speak to them mm -hmm. when these politicians make such utterances. But people, will, like, people we expect to point out such mistakes are all bootleggers. Mm. Okay, quick. I mean, like his pastor should be calling him and saying, Charlie. Chairman, don't do the yeah, baptism do, certificate no. is still here. Yeah, don't do <laughs> Jones are don't born Somebody says, said that like their pastor should be calling them, advising them. Calling who? The politicians who say settings. Don't take me to another journey. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't take me to another journey this morning. It's okay. It's okay. Nathan, just go. In as much as. Charlie, you are laughing. No, the person said the person's pastors and relatives. Because sometimes when I go on a book, I say, hey, Koku. My relatives call me. They are pastors. They say relatives and friends. Whatever. Ah, okay, that one. Yeah. <laughs> John, John says, yeah. In as much as I condemn Brown's reckless statements, I also blame the MPs who aided his appointment. Hmm. I see. This one says, That's why I no longer believe in this thing called democracy. Sure? The fact is, the way and manner in which some of our politicians talk and the kind of things they do are all clear indications that we are not mentally mature and wise enough to understand democracy. Thomas from Afinia said that. Um, the MPP is showing by its fruits that they do not care about democracy. It's all about winning power. Civil society should roundly condemn this and the police must act now. They should invite Brian Champion to explain himself. The state must bring him to book. Peter from Adabraka. Mm. Alright. All right. We'll come back and talk about what we actually wanted to talk about this morning which is a conversation about economic transformation organized by the University of Ghana, moderated by Bernard Avila, the one speaking to you, <laughs> aired live on City <laughs> TV. Uh, absolutely insightful, yes. pointing out the, the, in fact, a consensus among the NDC and MPP to basically continue economic policies that don't uh, help us, but benefiting from it privately. I think there's there's mm. there's good enough time to discuss this. So okay. when I come back, no I'll play some highlights I, of Doctor Yao Yes, I you know Brian Chapman has distorted my plan. I actually wanted to call out an entity for poor customer service they rendered out to me Who is and this? the missus over the weekend. Which people? Their art kitchen at the Malcolm Place at Spintex. Hey, but who? I'm a fitable. They, they need they need to be very very careful. The art kitchen. Yes, yeah, called the art kitchen. What did they do? We got in, mm. ordered ordered a meal yeah, man. one it took us almost 40 minutes to them for almost 40 minutes yes. for the meal to show up and, and when it first showed up it was the wrong dish they served and then the person serving the meal had, had the, the, the nerve to tell you to tell us that yeah. oh it's nothing take it like that yeah. what whilst i'm paying for it oh, you mean the person said you should take it like whilst that. i'm paying the food that i am what, paying what, what for did, what, did, what did you order we ordered a beef shawarma and then they brought a chicken shawarma and then the lady said oh Hey, it's chicken shower. But, but Fanta and Cook is the same. 
So, so please, no, you want to do it. I beg you. But you should have told me earlier so that I'll, I'll cook it. Yeah, it's you, okay. Me, I, I've said it's just fine. Oh, it's no, okay. Yeah. I've said it. So the art kitchen at Melcom, the nice painted place you <laughs> yes. people have there. Yes. Talk to them. And you went with your missus. Talk to them that when people order they, meals, they, they, are, they, see, they are not giving, it's not for free. They are unmitigated effort. We are paying so for it. So better that, give us what uh, we want. They, and as if the mistake is not enough. They had the effort. They to they have, take it. But why didn't you speak to their manager? I did. But I said that I'll air them. Oh, you overfitted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So please, so, please I beg, I beg for them. I, I beg. But I hope you got your beef at the end. Oh yes, No, it took forty minutes from placing the order to getting the right meal. It's so, unfair. So, so so yes, it's unfair. I hope they gave you your money back. <laughs> oh, they took it. <laughs> they took it too. Oh, but if you met the manager, if I were there, I'd have said, "Give you me see, his money it's, back." It's unfair. It's not right. You, you know, I, we are saying. But I mean, see, if he were alone, but to take the madam and to do this, I Hmm? You let's take it. Let's try. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. All right, so let me take you into the first part of this lecture on the economy, the need for a paradigm shift. Coordinator of the Third World Network, Dr. Graham, addressed an audience. Here is an excerpt. As I said, the topic assets the need for a paradigm shift. Now, what then do I see as the defining paradigm of the Ghanaian economy? I think the defining paradigm of the Ghanaian economy since colonial times, which has been refurbished in some degree, it's this is a primary commodity export dependent economy, which in some of our work in TWN, we have described as one centered on the export of a narrow basket of highly, hardly processed primary mineral and agricultural commodities with little or no domestic manufacturing industrial capacity and the stagnation of the rural economy, leaving it with a low with a low value end while the high value ends are captured outside the economy. If you look at the profile of Ghana's exports over the past ten years and beyond, you'll find that cocoa, gold, and oil make up more than 80% of our exports. And international trade makes up more than 40% of the country's GDP. When you have that size of international trade in your economy, it makes you vulnerable to the volatilities and vicissitudes of the international economy. And of course, if you're exporting raw commodities, the volatilities of commodities are a key part of the landscape and you import finished products. So the, you, you, you face challenges. It also means that, of course, the linkages between the sectors of your economy are weak, okay? Uh, so the, the reproduction of primary commodity export dependence over, over years, of course, is, a, is, is, is not a, a self-determining process 
it is perpetuated or transformed by the policy choices, the economic and political contestation within the country over its continuation or discontinuation among the beneficiaries and losers, as well as the internal balance of political and social forces. The primary commodity export dependence, in a certain sense, historically, has defined the parameters and the challenges for development and transformation in Ghana. Now, we can put that, uh, tra tra those challenges on a spectrum of responses because if we look, different governments have responded differently to these challenges. I mean, they have responded from seeing it, take Nkrumah, for example, who saw this as a fundamental obstacle to transformation and creating you know, a life for the Ghanaian people. Jerry Rawlings, when he came to power, saw the collapsed economy as something which was blamable on corruption and bad leadership, and all that was required was to clean it up, get some decent people, and everything would be all right. So his historic contribution was to refurbish this primary commodity export dependent economy and lay the foundation for the continuities that we have had since 1984. I like to needle my middle class friends, particularly those on the political right who hate Jerry Rawlings, that they owe him a debt of gratitude. Because contrary to their imagination, that the best leader of Jerry Rawlings is actually the founder of the modern Ghanaian economy. The person who completed the post-1966 school project of reversing everything Kumar tried to do, Jerry Rawlings, uh, Buzia, the NLC, they failed, but Rawlings succeeded. Maybe you should make an honorary member of the property-owning you know, classes. The, of course, the, there's nothing new or profound in describing uh, primary commodity exports uh, dependence in the Ghanaian context. I mean, this is a defining paradigm and constraint of almost all African economies, and there was a concern of all early post-colonial leaders, whether they saw themselves as African socialists, radical socialists, or capitalists. They all saw this as a primary challenge to overcome to advance uh, development. In the Ghanaian case, Nkrumah's seven-year development plan, which comprehensively tried to offer you know, a response to it, whatever you think about it, it's assumed that this thing needed to be taken as a problematic of development. And therefore, resources, institution building, human resource development should be determined by the solution to this problem. This is an important one because I would argue later on that what we have had since the refurbishment of primary commodity export dependence in the years of structural adjustment also dis took the business of building the kinds of institutions that you need for the neoliberal project seriously so that new institutions were built, old ones were transformed so as to advance this project. The curricula of educational institutions also were changed. I mean, if you take economics, for example, 
In the 60s and 50s, development economics was taken as a given. I asked somebody who studied economics in Ligon recently, do you know Arthur Lewis? He asked me who that was. Arthur Lewis drew up the 51 industrialization plan of Ghana, won the Nobel Prize, and is a founder of developing economics. But it tells you something also about the way curriculum, curricula, you know, have changed. But that's part of the larger thing. And if you look at African, African programs, just a quick parenthesis. If you look at the seven-year development plan, an interesting thing, it embodies something which I think is worth noting. Nkrumah wrote the forward to the seven-year development plan. And J.H. Mensah, who was the executive secretary of the planning commission, wrote the introduction. The reason I'm making this point is that J.H. Mensah is seen in today's generation as a man who of the MPP and therefore a simple binary. But in 1961, 62, 63, when the plan was drawn, being drawn, J.H. Mensah was the executive secretary of the planning commission. And that joint role, forward introduction, we can characterize as an indication of the nationalist compact, which was agreed on the need for this transformation. And across the continent, of course, many documents have captured this problem. The Lagos Plan of Action, more recent than the, uh, 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 the Agenda 2063 of the African Union. Organizations like UNCTAD was created with pressure from African countries as part of having to address this problem. And the calls for the new international economic order by developing countries was centered very much around this uh, tra transformation. And the problem of volatilities, which was noticed by all these, in a certain sense, our earliest post-colonial experience of it was when, in 1965, cocoa prices fell to a third of what the Nkrumah government had projected them to be as the basis for financing the seven-year development plan. That was the first time Ghana went to the IMF. But on the 22nd of February, it's interesting if you read this 1966 budget, Kwesia Mwakwanta gave an elaborate response to the IMF in a parliamentary statement, why they would not accept the terms of the IMF. Two days later, the Nkrumah government was overthrown. The NLC came to power, and that program was accepted. So that was the beginning of our business with the IMF. Now, the, beyond Nkrumah, the cyclical effects of primary commodity dependence and its boom and bust, we've experienced it throughout. The oil shocks in the mid-70s were an important part of the crisis that led many countries to turn to, uh, to, to, to the IMF and World Bank. Um, although the crisis was blamed on corruption, if you look at the data, really, I mean, over a 25-year period, the losses African countries got from terms, of, from terms of trade erosion, according to the World Bank in their book, and Africa, was it, something 21st century, talks about the fact that Sub-Saharan Africa lost 120% of its gross domestic product as a result of this you know, global uh, 
commodity problem. Rawlings' last two years were bedeviled by commodity fluctuations. Oil prices went up, gold prices went down, and there was a crisis. And that, of course, contributed, among other things, to their losing the election. President Kufour was the beneficiary of the commodity boom. Throughout this period, the commodity boom was driving up prices as demand from Asia in particular, you know, pushed prices up and up. But even he had a brief glitch when global food prices went up. And, you know, we had a kind of, a kind of wobble. Mills, this one time that the country enjoyed double-digit growth in the mills period was the result of the combination of the beginning of oil exports and also high gold prices. So I'm just illustrating for you the fact that the commodity export dependence has structured you know, a number of you know, domestic choices. And is this same commodity boom, which was the context for Ghana beginning Eurobond borrowing. President Kufour took the first Eurobond loan in his time and has become part of, as it were, the sources of financing with consequences as it's built up. There are questions to be asked, of course, about the basis on which those borrowings were done, the calculation about management, the accountability for them, because the president, when he spoke recently in the State of the Nation address, said the monies were used to build infrastructure. But one of the realities of public finance management in our country is really the weak accountability that we have. So successive governments build this thing up. I'm raising this point because the crisis of our international finance at the moment is not a single regime problem, it's a cumulative problem. It's a cumulative problem in two ways. One, the accumulation of the borrowing, and two, the accumulation of the consequences of the paradigm within which we are operating. As I, I said earlier, this is the, the deepest crisis we're having since uh, 1975-83. That crisis under Jerry Rawlings was the moment when Ghana became the shining star for neoliberal reform in Africa. Just a quick thing about some of the stylized facts about those reforms. Trade and investment liberalization, financial sector liberalization, export-led growth, the retrenchment of the states, and a focus on private sector-led growth, but also the transformation of the roles of the state and the building of new institutions and, the, of course, the adoption of new ideologies as well as the reorientation of state cadre in terms of their function. A key part of that also was the attraction of foreign direct investment. You know, I actually brought a few slides, but I forgot to give it to the organizers. So I guess at this point, I just have to press on. Um, the, the, the trend investment liberalization was allied to export-led growth because the 
investments came particularly into the extractive sector in that period, and very quickly it became one of the biggest areas. Finance was another area which opened up. So in the period since currently 70% of banks in Ghana are owned by foreign firms. And in that process, also publicly owned banks were either sold off or dismantled, particularly the investment banks. They either became retail banks or they were dismantled, with consequences, of course, for the possibilities of lending to certain uh, sectors. I think the FDR attraction is important because there's an assumption in the market-led growth thing, FDI was expected to maybe also replace what the, a role that the state played historically you know, in economic uh, development. And we know that there were across-the-board incentives offered to foreign capital. Yes, in the back. Okay, that's right. Yeah, thanks. Even though there's a lot of evidence from many studies that these incentives make no difference to whether people will come or not. I mean, Angola in the heat of the Civil War provided protection for American companies. The U.S. was arming Savimbi. Its companies were drilling oil in Uganda. In Angola, the Angolan army was providing protection for the American firms to drill the oil so that they would both benefit. As you can see in that point, at that point, the capital was not ideological. It just wanted a profit. You know. And we did a lot of that in all the sectors, whether it's in the privatizations, whether in the extractive sector, you know, there were fire sales of public assets, and also all kinds of incentives were, were offered. I mean, a reflection of the recent decision to consolidate the incentives regime and to try to reduce the cost to the public treasury. So this has led to really a strong dominance of foreign capital in key sectors of the economy. In the extractive sector, in high productivity services, telecom, in finance, in large-scale retail, and even manufacturing. One dimension, too, of the financial sector liberalization, which is worthy of note, is if you look at the rate of return for the foreign, for foreign banks in Ghana, it's almost three times what they, they average in other places. So Ghana is a good place to do business. And the outflows, of course, are reflected in what the, 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 the leakage, because a large foreign investor presence in your economy with commitment to liberalize inflows and outflows in a situation where you are, not get, you are getting very little inflows on foreign investment, on services provision outside your economy. You can only hope that the few Ghanaians who are laboring outside through their remittances you might be able to balance you know, uh, some of the Thing on, your, on, your, on your capital account. So foreign investment, whilst it has brought injection of capital, we like, I mean, if you listen to the discussion about the extractive sector, 
it's always in terms of we have attracted so much investment. There is not a balance sheet of what that means. I mean, I'll come to this point in a this is the, uh, I talked about the, the exports uh, earlier, so that's, that, that, that's it, yeah. Um, the, the, the state retrenchment that I spoke about, I've indicated some of its consequences. As I went aside with the, the, the discussion from the Bank of Ghana, and maybe I can use the Bank of Ghana to make a point. I mean, the relationship between economic policy making and the central bank in the earlier post-colonial period where we might talk about the state seeing itself having a more developmental role. It's completely different from what it is now. I remember when I was working for the PNDC, I had the privilege of speaking with Mr. Kwesia Mwakwata a few times because he used to be deputy governor in the Bank of Ghana and so on. And his ideas about the role of the bank you know, in terms of driving development. It's completely different from the kind of, uh, as it were, what I might call the myth of the independent central bank focused on inflation targeting. Because in other countries, actually, I know that in the U.S., the Fed is interested in employment. In Asia, central banks have a range of interests because they see a development responsibility. Even if they are independent, what they focus on, you know, it's a, it's a kind of condition. But I dare say that they, they focus on, uh, on, 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 uh, on inflation is, is a reflection, too, of the, the, the grip of monetarism, you know, in, uh, in, in, in sections of economic policy uh, in, in Ghana. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. It's creamy, creamy plus, delicious milk, creamy plus for you. Creamy plus is a delightfully delicious option whenever and wherever the occasion calls for milk. For your quick meals on the go or quality time at the dining table, jazz up your favorite Gary Soakings, Mash King Cake, cereals, and all hot and cold beverages with a creamy, protein-rich, healthy option of milk. Creamy Plus Evaporated Milk with vegetable fat is all you need to stay on the go. Creamy Plus Evaporated Milk is now available in a shop near you. For bulk purchases, please contact Les Farm Distributors at Medina Ritz Junction on 0501-682-522 or Grace Has Found Us at Akuko Photo Dan Soman on 0245-162-747. Plus evaporated milk. This message has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Queer! Bet365 is now officially available in Ghana. When you place a pre-match multi-bet on football, you go get bonus up to 70% to your winnings if your bet is successful. You can choose from markets like full-time results and both teams to score. From selected competitions, including the Premier League, Champions League, and much more. Get this great offer when you visit the official site at bet365.com.gh. Over 18 is only. Terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. 
It's the means family time and sharing fun moments together. Whether it's traveling up the cold mountains, spending time at home, or hitting up with the boys' boys, it's always exciting. And this season, everyone's invited to enjoy entertainment at its best with Go TV. Come on in and join Africa's biggest local stars, the world's best sports talent, the greatest international sensations, the coolest kids' characters, and the hottest reality celebs. With so much on offer, it's the best deal for entertainment at its best. Obiadium. Stay connected on Star 759 Hash and make the family time great this Easter. Go TV. Love it. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. I will now discuss the two sectors where which have been at the cent- the two real productive sectors which have been pillars of this commodity export dependence. Agriculture and the extractive sector as experienced you know, in this period and the implication where we are. Now, agriculture is the historic pillar of primary commodity export dependence in Ghana. It is true that when the colonialists came, they were interested in everything. The Gold Coast, Elmina, they came looking for gold. But as a settled colony, the, the, what became prominent very early on, of course, was cocoa. So, on one hand, we celebrate the Tekwashi and the humble Ghanaian peasant whose industry created cocoa. But they left us with a, a legacy which is problematic. But whilst the Tekwashi and others were building the cocoa industry so that they could export to be able to expand their own economic situation and also be able to get access to the merchandise that the, the firms were bringing, the colonial government had its vision about the place of the Gold Coast and cocoa's place as one of the basket of raw materials to the, to the metropolis. We celebrate the Tekwashi. Ghanaians, some of us also like to celebrate Gordon Gajisbeck, you know, as a benign colonial governor. I would argue that actually Gajisbeck was probably the silk glove on the mailed fist of the colonial project. And inside that mailed fist were the people who were clear what colonialism was about. And one of those people that we tend not to know about, I think it's important to know. William Tadhope was a governor, was a director of the Gokos Agricultural Department from 1907 to 1924. He laid the foundations of state engagement in agriculture. And I have a quote from him, which if he came from his grave today, he'd be proud that his legacy persists. In 1910, Tadhope said, in European countries and America, one of the aims of an agricultural department is to experiment, to educate, and to advise farmers, thus assisting them to produce large and good crops, which for the most part are grown for home consumption. The aims of a tropical agricultural department are similar 
with this difference that to be economically successful those crops which produce articles for export receive the most attention so the colonial agri department set out to do this and Tad Hope will look on his legacy and be proud that the long reach of colonial ideology remains at the center of agricultural policy in Ghana. Now, cocoa is by far the most important crop in Ghanaian agriculture, supported with an elaborate institutional mechanism from the farm to international market, Extent, from extension support, inputs, annual raising of international credits for farm purchases. It's almost a state within a state. And there's an ideology around cocoa, which makes it almost untouchable in any discussion about agriculture. Throughout the period, there have been all kinds of efforts by different governments. I will not elaborate. I'm making it kind of uh, generic because in totality, these efforts have not made a dent on the marginal status of other crops in the Ghanaian economy. There have been fitful attempts, I mean, there have been efforts at some non-traditional agricultural exports, fitful supports to produce for the domestic market, and there has been increased production over the past 40 years since structural adjustment due to general economic policies rather than systematic or focused interest in any agricultural value chain or crop, or like, of, like uh, value chain either in crop or livestock, despite the rising food import bill. I remember the work we did about 15 years ago with the Poultry Farmers Association, who showed that in terms of cost of production, they were competitive. They offered a vision of poultry in the agricultural value chain from feed to school feeding, where you know agricultural inputs and how the market could be developed. Where it became big enough, you can get processing. Because people buy one drumstick. Very few poor people buy a whole chicken. So unless it is cut up to be competitive, it's difficult. So they, they had a plan. They toed and froed, and this was part of the work we did within the context of our campaign against the impact of the EU's economic partnership agreements. They did not succeed. I was reading a Dutch report yesterday on poultry in Ghana, and it makes the point, it's looking for Dutch opportunities, of course. It makes the point that today, only layers laying eggs are the, the viable part, really, of Ghanaian poultry. The meat by the broiler part is done. So the imports have got their base. This is just an example about uh, an area. So we all know that we have very limited agro-processing, problems with credit. I was looking at uh, the ESA's uh, annual economic report using figures from the Bank of Ghana, and if you look at credit to agriculture over the years, the highest annual supply of credit since between 2010 
2019 was 6.13% of total lending, and it fell as low as 3.3 in 2014. That's it. Two-thirds of government spending on agriculture goes to the cocoa industry. In agriculture, including cocoa, successive Ghanaian governments have avoided dealing with the question of land relations. This must extensive land insecurity involving migrants and even you know, indigenous people. Women have a huge problem in terms of access to land in, in, in agriculture. And this is very tied up really with the compact successive governments have with chieftaincy. Because across the country, chiefs have turned what are nominally communal lands into private lands that they control. So although there's a, a thing about registering interest, it doesn't really address this root question of land tenure reform in Ghana. The countries that Ghanaians like to point to as uh, Asian examples for us, in all of them, apart from Singapore, which didn't have that's not agriculture. All of them, tenure reform specific to their context was carried out and laid the basis for security, increase in productivity, access to credits, and so on and so forth. So if we are going to crack the agrarian question in Ghana, addressing tenure relations is unavoidable. And of course, tenure relations is a political issue also. But if we don't deal with it, Rural poverty and even some of the problems in the beloved cocoa industry will not go away. We also know that there are a lot of problems in cocoa itself. Because cocoa, one of the dirty secrets of the cocoa industry is that historically it's been a great vector of deforestation. Because farmers are looking for fresher soil. And as that virgin frontier has diminished, productivity from the output has, has dropped. So how to keep it going is a problem. And uh, secondly, there's a lot of poverty, cost of inputs, all kinds of things. So we have a situation where really, periodically, the Ghana government has subsidized the cocoa industry, something which, apart from episodic, uh, what you call uh, fertilizer and so on, no other commodity gets. The push to get the big companies, the buyers to pay a li uh, living income differential, is running into all kinds of problems because there's resistance. So here we have a crop which is, but we can pose the question, can we imagine a long term of this country where we are not pushing for one million tons in output, but we accept that cocoa is a crop from which farmers can diversify, but that we have enough of a cocoa industry that can support value addition we need to turn our imagination to that as part of thinking about the future of the agricultural sector. Cocoa takes up 28% of the, the, the agricultural land. But as I said, most of the uh, public attention you know, is, uh, is to, that, to that crop. I'll move on to the extractive sector. The difference between the extractives and agriculture is, of course, agriculture is a, is a renewing thing that people farm seasonally and so on. Extractives are non-renewable resources. 
they are publicly owned, vested in the state on all of us our behalf. But in practice, our extractive sector has been run as a fiefdom of the executive. And the extractive sector is a very particular example of the ways in which raw material commodity export dependence leads to a resource intensity of growth, even agriculture, because it's not, we're expanding in terms of land area. You need more resources to, 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 produ to produce output. Um, in, in, in mining, with very little value addition and services connected with it, of course, it is the volume and hopefully higher prices that brings the return. So that resource intensity of a non-renewable resource is a particular challenge in terms of being able to claim its economic benefits not only to the current generation, but also future generations who are part of the owning group. And because if we add the environmental externalities, then you have to be sure that you are getting all these, uh, all these uh, benefits. Now, if you look at the, the sector, the one thing which is striking is that when we found oil, and then oil and gas, there was excitement, you know, even before we knew the volume. I remember President Kufour saying that we will become an Asian tiger, a kind of a mixed metaphor and so on. Um, and people were looking forward to large revenues that will transform the country. That sector has become a zone of patronage and mismanagement. Okay? And there are many examples that can be given. Cosmos, which is an early example of uh, the, one, the pioneer producer. Actually, the Cosmos deal is considered by many in the industry to be the worst the country has signed. If you compare it to the Talo deal, which is in the same field, the, it, is, it was calculated that the revenue benefits to the country from the Talo deal was going to be four billion more than the Cosmos deal. Okay. There were some people who had a 2.5% carried interest in the Cosmos deal who benefited. Some people claim that there are some politically connected people who are beneficiaries of this. I have no evidence to support it but there's a strong public perception to that effect. Dr. Graham on the need for restructuring the national economy, the need for a paradigm shift, Thursday at the University of Ghana City Conference Center under the ages of the UG at 75. So those were some highlights from that lecture. Later in the week, we'll bring you more. Thanks for listening to today's edition of the City Breakfast Show. My name is Bernard Avle. I had Godfred, Akutu, Boafo, and Nathan Kwa with me. We'll be back with more tomorrow.